I heard you laughing then, Jim. That was awesome. <laughs> Good evening, Bitcoiners. This is Brian, the UK Bitcoin master, back with another video, as always, every Thursday. Um, I've got a live guest this evening, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, so welcome, everyone. Don't forget to pound the like button. Don't forget to share this video. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Bash that bell button and click all, and you'll be notified uh, when I go live. Uh, great to have you in the chat, my regulars. Just a quick shout out to some of you. Uh, Andy BTC's in the house. I can see Yorkie Bitcoiner. Uh, who else have we got? We've got Proud Zionist Jew, aka Adam Meisters with us. Kristen Lauderback. Who else have we got? JC Borter coming in from South Africa. Uh, who else? We've got Zaza coming in from Michigan. Uh, welcome, Zaza. Great to see you in the house. Uh, Lance Hoddle, Brett Simpson, my lovely wife, Elaine, Mrs. UK. Great to see you with us. Rocky Palumbo is in the house. Uh, my Bill 66, welcome to you. Great to have you all. Don't forget, get tweet this out, get some of your friends to see it so that we can get more people uh, looking at Bitcoin. Very briefly, if you're new, check out the disclaimer down here. I'm not going to give any type of financial advice. You won't get any charts, price predictions, technical analysis on this channel. My job, my role, I feel my mission is to, with the help of some of the Bitcoiners that come on that I interview, to help noobs to build their strong hand, to get and understand very quickly that Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. There isn't anything else. Every other coin an altcoin, in my opinion, can't be the future of money. So I'm as close as you'll ever get to a Bitcoin maxi. Um, so uh, I've got a great guest lined up this evening. Uh, do uh, check out the disclaimer there. Check out my websites. UKBitcoinMaster.com is where all my work is at. And then Bitcoin Interviews obviously speaks for itself. It's where all the interviews I've done today are at. I've had Vortex. I've had Ansel Linder, Bitcoin Meister, BTC Sessions. My guest this evening, I've had Gabriel Divine, Rocky Palumbo, to name a handful. Um, so there's some great um, interviews over there, people. So do check them out at bitcoininterviews.com. And when this one is finished, it will go over there as well. For anybody that wants to drop a lightning tip, I don't do, I don't run this channel for for any type of tips whatsoever. Some people have reached out and said, "How do I drop you a tip?" There's a tipping.me address for those that want it. It's in the show notes right now. Let me get that out of the way. So today is the 13th of May, 2021. Uh, before I bring my guest in, one thing I do want to plug. You guys that are in our private group, the 21 Million Club, we meet once a month offline on Zoom. Um, I've sent an email out to you all with my new email address uh, through ProtonMail, so do look out for that. It is going to be on the 22nd of May, which is a week Saturday. And Rocky Palumbo pointed out to me that that is Bitcoin Pizza Day. That is Laszlo anniversary. So on that day, we will be eating pizza. So that is the agenda for our next Zoom meetup, people. You've got to have a pizza in front of you. So don't forget to get your pizzas out and your whatever your favorite tipple is for our uh, Zoom meetup. Anyone can be part of that meetup. It is a group of us that want 
want to get together offline, get to know each other, talk Bitcoin for an hour, maybe two hours, whatever. Um, and we just get to know each other. So the criteria to be part of that group is simple. You need to support my channel, be in the chat as often as you can, tweet my tweets out uh, and that is and be a Bitcoiner only. And that's pretty well it. So you can reach out to me at the end of the show when the show notes are updated. At the very bottom of the show notes, you will find an email address if you want to reach out to me to be considered to be part of that club. So that is a week on Saturday. So before I get my guest in, let me quickly get over to the desktop. Let's see what's going on with the price. How many of you are freaking out then? How many of you are freaking out because what the hell have I done? This thing's going to zero and I've wasted my money. How many of you are freaking out because you want more money to be able to buy more Satoshis? So the idea of showing you this chart is simple. If you are looking at the hourly chart, um, the 15-minute chart, the 30-minute chart, or even the daily chart, you're doing this all wrong. Because if you look at this one-day chart, it looks like it is steadily going down. If we zoom out to one year, you will see that there is nothing wrong with Bitcoin. If you zoom out for five years, and this is where you've done a complete Bitcoin cycle, we ain't got jack to worry about. Things are good. And imagine this thing playing out over the next five years. So in my opinion, this is a fantastic opportunity to buy some Satoshis on sale, people. So do what you can, sell what you can, sell your grandma, whatever it is. I'm not going to sell my lovely wife in this chat. I love her too much, but there you go. That's normally the in-joke. Um, so that is all the preliminaries out of the way. We know that the price is down, but it's a buying opportunity. What I want to do, without further ado, is bring in my live guest and ask you to welcome Surfer Jim to the show. Uh, do I call you Surfer Jim? Do I call you Jim? What do you prefer? Oh, uh, well, Jim is fine. You cool. know, Surfer Jim is the whole character thing for Twitter. I, uh, this my Twitter was my first foray into social networks. Being an old guy, I, uh, I yeah. had to figure out what to do. And a friend of mine used to call me Surfer Jim all the time. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go with that one. Being an old guy, we were talking about this off air. I'm older than you, so what does that make me, a dinosaur? <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said off air, um, I, we, you, know, you agreed. We both used to think that our age was old when we weren't so old. And I don't feel old at all. But yet here I am at this advanced age that I used to think was an old number. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, so. the, exactly the same as me, Jim. Well, listen, it's great to have you on the show. I've been following you uh, quite a bit on other people's shows. Um, you know, for those that don't know you, I will tell you people that Jim doesn't pull his punches. He doesn't mince his words. <laughs> um, we're going to go through discovering Bitcoin, his thoughts, what he did about that. Um, I would say I politely asked Jim to be nice and polite on this show, but if something <laughs> slips out people being a family show normally my daughter's on as well I, I, I apologize in advance but I'm sure it'll all be great so Jim let, let's start off with um let's take you and your life before you discovered Bitcoin what was your life about what, what were you up to what's your background <clears throat> oh uh well for the last 30 years I've been running my own construction company uh, many people have heard me say this so I was living just like everybody else believing that the smartest people in the world worked in government and we could trust them. Oh boy, I can't believe how naive I was. But of course the public edu education system makes it uh, so that you only learn what they want you to know, of course. Uh, so I didn't understand money at all. And um, 
I was just, uh, you know, I used to vote thinking that that mattered. So much stuff, you know, that most people think is normal life. Uh, it's just how I lived. And I was working hard to try and get ahead, wondering why it was so hard to get ahead. You know, I was trying to do the right thing and run an honest company and always uh, honor my contracts and do everything I had to do. You know, I had to, I lost money on jobs by doing the right thing for, for people because I thought that's how you're supposed to be. Mm. Luckily, uh, y- you know, it, it setbacks along the way I, I still just figured out ways to keep it going but um now i understand why i didn't get ahead faster uh you know in life because of the amount of theft that comes out of my life from other human beings that call themselves government it's really unbelievable the amount of taxes we pay at every level just to buy gasoline and groceries and whatever you know not everything is quote unquote taxed but you know even even something that's not supposed to be taxed upstream from that people that are producing those products are paying taxes yeah. you know so like you know just because you might not pay a retail a tax at the retail level doesn't mean that somebody didn't steal some money out of the production process causing that product to be more money that to you to buy it you know it's just terrible and you know uh, it all goes back to the broken money for me uh you know i finally figured it out when i learned about bitcoin and it's changed my life dramatically and you know, one thing I will say about this is that it's it's allowed me to really become the person I always was and didn't know why, you know, I, I didn't understand why I felt certain ways. They were just feelings about this doesn't seem right. And, you know, I, it's so clear politicians are corrupt, but it's hard to see um, how the connections were all made because they, they do a great job of obfuscating how it all works. And then you start to... Uh, you know, turn off the TV and turn on the internet, let's just say, right? And all of a sudden, there's a world of information out there that you just didn't realize, you know, some of it was intuitive, and much of it is just hidden, and you just mm-hmm. don't realize. And then you start hearing it more and more and more, and you start to realize, wow, there's an entire world of facts out there that it's just not coming through my filters and into my life. And look at what a difference it's made in how I've lived, you know? Imagine if I had known this stuff sooner, the better choices I could have made for any number of areas of my life, uh, not the least of which is health. Uh, you know, having found Bitcoin, I also stumbled across people that were getting healthy by uh, what some would call extreme uh, types of diets. But yet I just kept looking for the logic. This has been part of my, my path in life. I, I've always been looking for how does things logically work? So in my business building houses, you can't you can't deny plumb and level just because you don't like it. <laughs> you yep. know, yep. you want to yep. build something, you're stuck with certain things. You got to yep. figure this stuff out. Yeah, So, um, you know, it's just uh, one thing leads to another. You start realizing. So like I dramatically improved my health just because I started learning real facts that have been covered up by people that don't want you to know. Right. So, you know, I live this normal life. That's, I'm just a regular dude living in a middle class neighborhood. I'm not a millionaire. I mean, you know, in some ways, I feel like that now that I own Bitcoin, and I suppose I'll have the purchasing power of a millionaire uh, at some point. Uh, you know, the longer I hold on to the Bitcoin, I believe that's what's going to happen to anybody. Like you, and you don't even need a full Bitcoin. Like you, if you were to even have one, a half or a quarter or a tenth of a Bitcoin, that could be the equivalent of being a multimillionaire. It might take twenty years or fifty years. Maybe it's your grandkids get that kind of spending power. But I still think a Bitcoin will be worth that much, even a fraction of a Bitcoin. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, I've just been living this regular life and then bam, Bitcoin hits me and everything changed. Like <laughs> everything changed. It's amazing. <laughs> like I am such a different person. My life's going in such a different direction. But I also have like, I have friends around the world I never had. Like mm -hmm. I, I've, I've met people from going on surf trips and, I, and they live in other parts of the world and I could say, oh, they're my friends, but I don't keep in touch with those people generally. And, uh, but with Bitcoin and these Zoom, these things, these, like we're doing now, <laughs> Zoom calls and stuff, you know, I'm regularly talking to people all over the world, which is just one of the coolest things. Yeah. And what's great is the, we, we're all like-minded people. So it feels like family, you know, like when we, like somebody like you and I, we, we could just, we don't have to know each other before today. And all of a sudden we're friends. We could talk for hours probably because we have, yeah, not just age in common. So we've gotten to see the same decades of life and watch the same historical events play out from approximately the same age perspective. When you were 10, I was almost 10. And so we're seeing the world from 10 year olds back in the seventies. Right. So, you know, only other people much younger than us only can, learn about history we actually were there i watched the computer revolution i watched the entire snowboard revolution happen when there was not a single snowboard on the planet and now they're everywhere you know like and uh when i first started riding what what was the precursor to a snowboard a little wooden board that looked like a water ski called a snurfer sold <laughs> in toy stores for kids and i was like eight or ten and i was a kid and i was like already had a skateboard and you know maybe i was a little older probably around 12 but yeah, I mean, I was all over that. And to watch this whole thing blow into this giant worldwide industry with, you know, what people do on snowboards is just fascinating to me. I feel like I've lived several lives already to see what's going on, you know, and I lived all of that from the, the normal average perspective of the average person. And now I see the entire thing. I look back at rewind all that in my memory. And now I go, holy crap, boy, what if the world had Bitcoin back then? What if I knew back then? What if my parents knew? What if, oh boy, the differences. So here we are. The world is a mess uh, because of fiat money, in my opinion. That's the root of all of this. This, um, you know, I don't want to direct this conversation, but I do not believe the virus is nearly as bad as people have trumped it up to be. Uh, and um, the, the world has misallocated billions of dollars uh, because of this thing in, in the form of plexiglass barriers at store, store counters everywhere in the world and stupid stickers on even on the ground outside, inside buildings, all over the place, stay six feet apart, whatever it is. All of this is a giant misallocation of capital for what I see as just a, a bad a flu season uh, because the statistics I look at show that there's not a huge amount of increased deaths and the the people that have died, statistically, generally speaking, have been 80 years or older. Uh, you know, there's always anomalies. You always have that fun. That person, I have young friends that died. Okay, all right, you know, I'm sorry that that happened. And if it's really from the virus, I'm also even more sorry because, you know, it would have been nice had that not happened to them. But, you know, they could have died from something else just as easily. And if the government didn't make this, this giant crazy pandemic, everybody needs to wear a mask, then people would have just said, wow, that's really sucky that my friend got sick and died from X, Y, Z thing. And the rest of the world wouldn't have been destroyed over that. You know, this happens every day. People die from weird reasons at all kinds of ages that people yep. can't necessarily figure out at first. You know, and if you do, you know, if autopsies are done and they're done correctly, maybe you get to the root of it. You know, there's no way to know. I don't even trust half the diagnosis that some when somebody did die of COVID that it really was COVID, especially when there's comorbidities that morbidities that either people knew they had or some that they didn't know they had. And so I don't I bet you half of this stuff is not fairly analyzed after death either, so that you get a skewed 
uh, perception out in society. And like, again, like, you know, if you knew somebody who was at a medium age, you know, 40s, 50s, or even younger that supposedly got COVID and supposedly died from it, I'd really wonder, you know, how much of it is exactly directly related to that? Can you really, really say? And was this person really as healthy as, as they appeared to be, you know, they could have had vices you didn't even know about, like mm. a meth problem. No offense to anybody that died that, you know, really didn't have that. I'm just saying the extremes. People hide all kinds of stuff in their lives and even their families don't know what they're doing. Right. I mean, you just don't know. All right. And so without real op autopsies, which 99 percent of the time are not being done in these cases, you know what I mean? So there's just no way to know the true facts about this stuff. So whatever There's, uh, you know, you, Bitcoin um, opens your mind to I'm everything, uh, you know. I'm, I'm I'm with you on all of that, all of it, every bit of it. And yeah, that, there's a topic for another day as we'll be here three yeah, hours. Sorry, um, I diverged. But, I no, didn't but mean to. Uh, the, the thing is, you know, I, I totally agree with everything you've said. You know, being my age and you'll relate to this, you know, and then we'll move up back onto Bitcoin. Um, you know, we've had SARS, we've had Spanish flu, we've had all sorts, but never before have they shut down nations. You know, cities become ghost towns. In my opinion, and then we will move on, is there something bigger at play going on? And we'll leave her at I that. Agree. It's to do I with... just want to add one, one last point. Guys like us have lived... No, we've never thought we needed to put masks on. We've assumed, I have, that my immune system is going to keep me basically healthy if I myself am basically healthy. And luckily, I always have been considering how many stupid bad things I did, how many drunk nights I had, and all those other things. You want to add that up, right? Okay, I beat myself up plenty. Right now, I'm still here. Okay, so I didn't live the healthiest life in the world. But, you know, personal responsibility. You get as healthy as possible. And this thing's not going to bother you. Just like all of human history for millions of years, people didn't have, you know, modern medicines and they still made it through sicknesses. I mean, yeah. not everything, of course, we know about plagues and whatnot. But so, yeah, it's unfortunate. I think it's being trumped up for larger reasons. And we can have another talk someday. Let's go back to Bitcoin. That's but why do, we're here. But, but, <laughs> but a segue then is, but do you feel that with what has happened, whilst it's been terrible for the world, do you feel that has accelerated Bitcoin into the mainstream much quicker? Do you think, I, I feel yeah. it's accelerated at all. Yeah, I think it has. I think um, the inevitable um, awakening of people to what Bitcoin is, was I think was definitely accelerated because of the way things got shut down, because so many people's um, financial lives were disrupted, right? So some people experienced a boom. Mm. A friend of mine has a cleaning supply business. This had the best year of his life, right? Yep. He didn't see that yep. coming. Government created that for him, technically, by mandating all kinds of things. And people went out and bought hand sanitizers and put them on next to exit doors everywhere that they never were before, you know, or wherever, you know, next to the counter when you're paying for your groceries, whatever it is. So all these things created, you know, misallocation of capital that wasn't necessarily needed. So um, I definitely think people woke up to the, the financial games that are going on. You know, how the hell did the stock market go up so high when people are going out of work and businesses are collapsing? There's a genuine disconnect that, even the average person goes, this doesn't make sense. Yep. And then they start scratching their head. And then one thing leads to another. And then maybe they bounce across the guy like me or you that says, you really got to look at Bitcoin. And then they maybe do. Or there's somebody else they believe in says it. And they go, oh, that's the second time. Like, 
I had to have three touches. Most people have to have more than one touch before they take Bitcoin seriously. And so, you know, I'm out here basically trying to, you know, touch people. I don't know. That sounds a little funny. <laughs> said that. That's, that's stupid. Mentally. Let's say I'm yeah, mentally yeah. trying to touch Co- people. Connect with to people. Wake up yeah. their brains. This is not going away. This is another touch. This is another verbal, visual, mental touch for you folks out there listening, right? If you haven't taken Bitcoin seriously yet, it's time. Like, don't don't ignore this. What you just heard, you know what we're going to talk about. Don't ignore this stuff. It's too important. So that that was my next question. So when you came across Bitcoin, did you discover yeah. it? Did somebody? I mean, I got the call. Okay, my friend yeah, called no, I us. Discovered it. Okay, so you were you were just poking around, looking for things, looking about finance, and you came across no, it. No, no, I stumped. So, so, all right, so it was it was told to me first time by a younger guy who was into video gaming, which I never got into. It was like I was older when that became popular, and it just didn't appeal to me. I grew up around pinball machines, like you did, right? So, online video gaming, you know first player shooter games, all that stuff. No, I was not ever into any of that. So a friend of mine tells me about Bitcoin and I think it has to do with that. He doesn't know how to explain it to me. He just says, have you heard of this thing? Some internet money, blah, blah, blah. And I go, yeah, whatever. And basically completely dismissed it, never even looked at it. But he didn't have the ability to explain it to me. Uh, Second time was I saw a Netflix movie, uh, just sitting in bed, flipping through channels. They see this thing about Bitcoin. I'm into documentaries. I like to learn. And so I watched it. But I, my takeaway was that the only way you really are involved in Bitcoin is you set up these computers in your house and you mine it and they're noisy and hot. And I was not a, any type of a computer geek. I'm like, that looks way over my head, man. I, I don't know. Am I going to go out and buy these computers and who am I going to learn from? I was just <laughs> like, I guess I'm not going to get into Bitcoin. It looks cool. But, you know, I, I thought the idea of printing your own money, so to speak, at, with your own computers was like, like an interesting thing. And I, you know, in that documentary, it said how the value had gone up a lot. I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. Imagine if I could turn on a computer and spit out these digital Bitcoins and they're worth money someday. I had no concept of where it could go as worldwide currency as I see it now. Millions of dollars per Bitcoin. No, not nothing. Not, I don't even think that was touched on in this documentary. It wasn't I don't think the ecosystem was really mentally prepared for that kind of uh forward thinking at least in that and i couldn't even tell you the name of the thing it was, i watched it i dismissed it that was pretty much it and i'm going to say that was probably 2015 so a whole another year and a half goes by almost two years before i stumbled i literally stumbled on it and i'll tell you the story i've said it to, on other podcasts but basically i was i have a little dog and i would walk the dog every day and I started finding that it was interesting to uh, watch YouTube videos. And I, I was just at the, at that moment in my life, I was interested in like searching old music from like the eighties that I wonder if I could find some of those old videos from MTV when it first started. Cause I remember the first, yeah. I, I think I watched MTV the very first day it launched, you know, like this was this new big thing and, and on cable television, which was also a new big thing back there in the seventies, early eighties. And, and so, um, I found uh, I found that I could, uh, you know, pull up videos, watch them on YouTube, you know, reminisce about my past. And then I started running out of minutes on my phone so I had to get myself an unlimited plan. I was like, OK, so this is seriously this is what I did. Like, I'm like, OK, I'm going to get this unlimited plan now. I don't have to worry about this. I'll suck up whatever the cost is. But look at all this value I'm getting off my phone because now I got a smartphone and it's, at, you know, it's access to the Internet. Everything's getting better and faster and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm trying to keep up with it. I'm an old guy trying to stay up up with the tech right so then i don't realize this at the moment but i, I realize it now you go on youtube you search anything youtube is going to try to feed you things it thinks you want 
I guess it's connected to what other people also chose to watch. And, you know, they're keeping their statistics. And I see these things called TED Talks. Yep. And I start to, I come to the realization they're generic. They could be on any topic. They're about 20 minutes long. Wow, cool, interesting. You know, I just got into a, a kick on a wonder, you know, I, maybe I saw one that had, a, it was about a subject that interests me. I'm like, oh, what's a TED Talk? And I watch it. And I, I stumble across various people and eventually one woman who is talking about Bitcoin and explaining it in a way that triggered a real deep curiosity of mine because she was linking it to the ability to trust but also not have to trust. And I wasn't, I honestly can't even tell you the very specific nature of her talk. What I, what resonated so strongly was with me was this idea of trust or the ability to transact with this network without having to trust other people. And I thought that's such a deep, important uh, human concept and a human principle that we work with humans, right? So Trust is not a thing you can buy. It's not a thing you can hold. It's a concept, yeah. but it's a fundamental concept to our human interactions. We cannot survive unless we can come to a level of trust about everything, not just people, but everything, the physical world around us. Is this plank strong enough to walk on or am I going to fall to my death when I'm up two stories on a ladder or something going, trying to fix something, right? So like trust is just essential. And so- I'll tie it back to why it hit me so hard. So I started this construction company 30 years ago in a very small community on a barrier island on the south shore of Long Island called Fire Island. I've told people enough. I don't mind doxing my location, so to speak. And so I've been working on this little barrier island, which is all these summer homes. And so they're not occupied for most of the year. So right now they become occupied again, going into summer. All the people want to come out, use their homes for the summer. It's a beach community. It's a, you're right on the ocean front. And it's really, really beautiful place. And um, I had an opportunity to start a construction company over there because I was recommended to somebody who was, was looking for a new contractor. And I had just started my business a year or two earlier. And so I saw this unique opportunity to work in a place where you've got this sort of captive audience of people that um, uh, they, 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 on, they only had a handful of contractors to choose from. And if you get your foot in the door, maybe you can establish yourself. I kind of knew, and, and I knew that because the guy who was recommending me as the contractor, I watched him grow his business over there. He was an exterminator. And I watched him go from working for a company to starting his own company. As a matter of fact, when he asked me for my advice, you think I should go out on my own? I said, I remember vividly saying, if I had a chance to start a business on Fire Island like you now have in front of you right now, I would take it. Yep. Literally, I told him to do it, and he came back to me about two or three years later after he had well-established himself, broke away, started his own company, came back to me and said, hey, Jim, I know you got your construction business going. Would you be interested in a customer on Fire Island who's asking me they want to get a new contractor? And, I, and the first guy I thought of was you. And he and so he literally turned it right around and gave me the same opportunity in a weird way that I had sort of encouraged him to take, which is you got a chance to go start a business on fire around. Yeah, go give it a try. Yeah. Right. So that's what I did. So now here it comes to trust. I says, I'm going over into this town and no one knows me. It's one customer wants to maybe hire me. I'm going to go do an estimate, see if I can get the job. And, and they don't know me. So I got an absolutely clean slate. They don't know if I'm a good person or a bad person. I'm simply being recommended by somebody they already knew, which immediately goes to the trust, right? Yep. They trust him. Maybe we could trust this guy. Let's go interview him. So I get this opportunity to go over and meet these people. And they got a bunch of jobs they want done around their house. And they want to hire somebody. And 
And the guy, after I, I take my notes and my measurements, he points up at a light hanging off the side of his house that's just kind of hanging. It's not tight. And he goes, you know, what about that too? Could you fix something like that? And I look at it and I go, oh, that looks easy. I could do this right now if I had a screwdriver. So I ask him, you got any tools? And I did it right in front of the guy. He was like amazed. He's the kind of guy who can't change a light bulb. Super great guy. He he was my customer till he passed away. And I still work for his daughter who now owns the house. So I've never lost these people as my as my customers for over 30 years because they were so awesome. And I always did what I promised I would do for them. Never failed them ever with my promises. So they could always trust me. This is why they always just keep calling me. Yep. Uh, so um, I fixed the light right in front of the guy. And I knew at that moment he was sold. I just could see it in his eyes. So I came back with the prices. They hired me. And they immediately told like 20 of their neighbors to hire me. Like, like in a week. They were so happy with the work I did. I can remember one day I was over there talking to him, going over the work. And so in order to get to this barrier island, people take a ferry from the mainland. It's a, it's a, a five-mile trip across the bay. Um, and so people come. And so every in the summer, every hour or so, another ferry drops off several hundred people. So this guy's house was on the main walk that came up from the ferry terminal. So every time a ferry came by, dozens of people were walking by going to their houses right past this guy's house. So I'm standing there one day and he says, uh, he sees the people coming. He goes, Jim, come, come with me. And we walk to the edge of his walkway. So we're standing on his entry to his house and we're watching the people come towards us. And he's starting to pick out his friends. And he goes, Bill, come over here. Meet Jim. Frank, <laughs> hey, Frank, come over here. You're going to meet Jim. And he just starts throwing well, He died and gone to heaven. <laughs> he's like, if you don't hire Jim, we're not friends. He's telling his friends. <laughs> I go, like, holy crap. This guy really likes me. But he was such a great guy. And we just hit it off. Fantastic. You know, like I said, I worked for him until he passed away. Then his wife passed away. I still work for the daughter who got the house. And they're just fantastic people. But the thing was, I had this clean slate and I kept it that way. 30 years, I literally just, I went bent over backwards not to break the rules, not to piss people off. Unfortunately, you get customers, you don't always, it doesn't always work out. I was very disappointed the first time I lost my very first customer. Couldn't understand why they didn't want to call me back. They didn't always explain themselves. I just, sometimes I lost customers. You know, it just doesn't always work out. You can't get along with everybody. That was a tough lesson for me because I knew I was trying always to do the right thing. And somehow we didn't mesh. They didn't like it. They thought I did charge them too much. Who knows what they thought? It's, yeah. you can't yeah. always get the truth because people don't always want to tell you why mm. they stopped calling, you know, but it is what it is. I've been able to build a business on trust. I've literally, in 30 years, if I spent $500 on advertising, it was a lot. Seriously, like I bought a few signs. I stick them in front of the job sites once in a while. As one year, I bought some T-shirts and sweatshirts for the crew that I had, you know, just so we could look a little more professional. But I literally just never needed to. I just always got recommended to people and the work never stopped. And I just kept going and going and going. So this whole trust thing really resonated when I heard, you know, bringing this all the way back. It's a long story, but bringing it back to that TED talk. And I had already done my business for, almost, you know, over 25 years at this point. Right. Yep. Uh, so. I, uh, I really knew that this was a critical element in success. Uh, and and um, I wanted to know more what she meant. This is really it. So I didn't even understand what she meant. She was linking trust to Bitcoin in a way that piqued my interest. And that was pretty much it. And that was, that was the beginning of my dive down the rabbit hole. Because now I searched on YouTube for Bitcoin-related content. And I was very fortunate to find Bitcoin maximalists, if, if they don't mind me calling them that, uh, that knew the difference between 
Bitcoins and the rest of the cryptocurrency ecosystem that we refer to as the S coins and, <laughs> and worse than Thank that. you. Um, I know, I know Adam's <laughs> listening. He'll be, he'll be proud of me. <laughs> uh, shout out to Adam Meister. He's, he's one of those people signal above noise. I found Adam. I mean, literally the guy who was one of these people that saved my life. I have to say this guy is true, tried and true, straight, straight down the middle, Bitcoin only. Uh, and I had to ask the question. Why is he so adamant about this? What is it about it? What makes one person be so strongly convicted about Bitcoin? Uh, and, you know, Adam was like, I, I, I've said this to him directly. He would do a show every day. And so to me, I would I would not watch it live. I would listen at 2X like he recommended to do. And I've, I've gotten very used to that. So I've gotten a lot of content into my brain at twice the speed. Right. So that's one thing. So I, I looked at his show. I would, I would, it was almost like every morning I would start with him 20 minutes of 20 minutes to a half hour of Adam, almost like my morning news show. And uh, stop, Jim, 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 stop, stop, yeah. stop. Before you go on, my lovely wife Elaine in the chat, does this sound like somebody you know? Carry on, Jim. <laughs> oh, she's talking about you. <laughs> I can't see the chat. I asked you about it earlier, but I can't see it. So I don't oh. know who's typing what. Yeah, it doesn't come up on my screen. I see 15. I see a chat symbol, but nothing shows. Anyway, let me go back to this. Uh, so what was I saying? I was talking about trust. Every oh, morning, no. every morning. No, every morning oh, you, you listen to. Yeah. Yeah. So Adam's show. Okay, so I stumble on that. YouTube's feeding me different stuff. I stumbled across, you know, lots of information about altcoins, podcasters that were into all different cryptocurrencies, not just Bitcoin. Yeah. And I, I tried to filter it. I, you know, I didn't know what to think. So I, I wasn't sure really how this you know where was the value in this ecosystem i, I wasn't sure that some of these altcoins didn't have value um i have come to the decision that, that pretty much none of them have any value um other than experimentation and and so far that experimentation hasn't led to anything valuable in my opinion so it's fine to do the work and try you know and to consider it all i think it's way too hyped and so i was lucky enough to find signal through the noise people like uh, always comes to my mind tone vase because when he would when he would have on Francis Pouillot and NVK and regularly he had on Jimmy Song and Giacomo Zucco yep. almost, yep. almost daily. Yep. I mean, I was so lucky to listen to those guys and go, these guys sound like it's very logical the way they describe this stuff. They don't seem to be hyping. They seem to be willing to explain the technical details. They don't seem to be trying to hide behind marketing gimmickry or any of this stuff. These were the technical guys. So I had said this to other people in the past. I didn't say it today, but when I was growing up as a kid, I had this natural curiosity to know, I wanted to know how things worked inside. It was a mechanical, I was, I grew up in a mechanical age, not a digital age. There was not yeah. a lot of, was not a lot of electronics. There was mechanical items like the blend, you know, you made stuff out of, you know, whatever, stuff like that. So I wanted to take things apart. I, I grew up with this thing called an erector set, which is a little, a box full of metal parts and you could build anything you want out of it. You know, it came with some little electric motors and some gears and you can yep. make things up. It was just one of the most awesome little toys a kid like me could have because I was very interested in how do things work? I needed to see the logic and I learned about first principles from a young age about, you know, if you, if you're trying to make an electric motor work and the brushes are worn down, it's not going to work, right? Like these are just fundamental things. If it doesn't, if it's, if it's worn out, it's not going to work. And this is the reason. So you fix the brushes, boom, the thing works perfect again. Like, Oh wow. That's all you got to do to fix something. You got to figure out the 
what's the broken piece in there? Why, you know, this is fundamentally, these pieces are fabricated because somebody figured out you need these parts to make this item work. And then somebody comes along and figures out a better way to do it. But you're still trying to you know, create a tool that gets you an end result, whether it's a, a drill to drill a hole or a blender to make a cake, right? Somebody figured out to create, you know, like, all of these things are based on certain first principles that work. When they all come together correctly, they work. And when they don't come together, they break, you know, when they're not done well or they're done inferior. And so you start to come to this realization of what is true in the world, right? I don't know. This is me. This is my life growing up. What works? What doesn't work? Why does it work? That's really what's the bottom line. So, you know, I start investigating Bitcoin and I, I need to know how it works at a code level. And I can't even read code, but I can understand it if somebody explained to me what the code is doing. And that was it for me. I had to learn that. Once I learned that, I was sold. Because well, then I understood why it can't be broken, why it works the way it does, why you can trust it, why you don't have to trust the other people that are helping also work on it. There's all these things that come together for me when I learned how it worked. And it was those guys, again, tying this all the way back to your original question, it was those guys that kept me on the straight and narrow and kept me from losing my focus and believing too much in the other stuff. I did my research. I read a lot of white papers. I wanted to believe. I thought I was going to make a better Bitcoin at one time. I thought I was that smart. I was going to make something better than Bitcoin and the world is going to love me for it. Sure. Right. Of course I did. So whatever, uh, you know, you have big dreams when you think you know everything. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what I find interesting listening, listening to you and how you needed to know at a code level. It just shows how we're all different because, you know, I you were you you were in building. I mean, I, I used to be a truck driver and I used to deliver to building sites. So I sort of relate to all of that type of thing. And so you know, I didn't do well at school. And when I found Bitcoin, I didn't I came from a different perspective. I didn't need to know what you needed to know. I just wanted to know the basics of well, what makes this so special? What what will give it its value? And for me, it was 21 million only. It cannot be manipulated. There's not going to be any more. It's all open source. You know, nobody can change it unless there's consensus. So all of these basic things, I guess I found Trace Mayer and I remember watching his video, The Seven Network Effects, and that was yeah. really, really powerful for me. And then I came across Adam Meister, just like you. I mean, I've actually watched every single Adam Meister program, even on his Proud Zionist YouTube channel, every single wow. one of them since flipping May 2017. You know, wow. and most of them I've been live in the chat because I just get something being live in the chat. But I don't know what it is, but I just got it straight away, Jim. As soon as I knew the basics, I just knew that I didn't care what anybody else said. I just had to accumulate this as fast as I could. So I didn't need, you know, the code level. So I don't know, maybe maybe I was lucky. I don't know. I want to just mention something that was in the chat because, guys, if you want, if you want me to read something out or you know, promote something to Jim or ask Jim a question, type in UK Bitcoin Master, then your message and I will see it. But it was interesting because JC Borter said, and it's true, Bitcoin works because math can be trusted. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is one of those things I had to discover. Um, I had never heard of what is a hash function. I had no idea that that even existed on the planet. And yet, you know, uh, <clears throat> Uh, you know, through cryptography, I was on the Internet and I was using it. And I didn't even know it. You know, at some level, I was using hashing and cryptography at, at some level behind the scenes, some one of the TCP IP protocol level stuff, whatever. I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you 
I might not even be correct in that statement, but I just know that this stuff is out there and I had no idea what it was. <laughs> you, and I had to learn. Do you, do you ever get to a point where you just know? You know, it's well, like yeah, you, that's you've, what you've it, come that's home. What happened to me. I feel like well, I've come home with me. Bitcoin. Well, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I said, I, I alluded to it earlier that um, by learning about this, I finally was able to learn who I really am and why I have always felt certain ways about certain things. Yeah. I, I couldn't, it was, it's a, it sort of allowed me to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. The, those pieces that were scattered that I couldn't seem to figure out how to fit them in. And then all of a sudden the pieces started to fall into place so much better. And I have, I feel like I have a much clearer view of the world around me and how things fit. And that's what really has helped. Uh, you know, it's helped in my life, helped my, my attitude, my outlook for the future. But um, it also helped me to understand me better because now I get why, uh, Oh boy, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here, but now I get why I've always um, resisted authority, especially police officers. I've never been a fan of police officers because I got hassled when I was very young and I felt it was unjustified. You know, I didn't feel like I was a bad kid and I just felt like they looked at me like I was maybe because I had long hair or whatever it was. And I just thought, you know, this is bull crap. You know, I, I honestly, I had a suit and tie job in my 20s, right? I looked very respectable. Um, when I started my construction career, 15 years into it, I had a ponytail all the way down my back. I was way more successful, but I was not taken nearly as seriously as I was when I walked around in a suit and tie. Yeah. And I felt it directly. I thought, you know, who are you people just judging on appearance and stuff like that? I hated so much about the world because people didn't understand um, or, you know, you couldn't see truth by just looking around. You sometimes have to learn about stuff or about people. You could, I don't know. You know, I don't it was just feelings. It was just a lot of feelings of unfairness in so many ways. And then, of course, oh, man, it just disgusted me every time I had to do my taxes and go, like, I got to come up with money to send to them. I barely have enough money to pay my bills and my bank account's not that big. And now they want some of it. Like, didn't I give them enough? Like, I just hated it. My whole life, I've hated it. And so, yeah, I mean, those injustices, I now see how humanity has allowed them to happen. And I also now see how uh, humanity going forward can undo it all through Bitcoin. Uh, this is what makes me honestly, this is why I'm here. Uh, I got a lot of flack for going on uh, the What Bitcoin Did podcast. A lot of people don't like Peter or his sponsors and I don't like his sponsors and I made it very clear. I know. And, I was watching. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't hate Peter for it. I think. He has sold his soul to the devil to, at some level to take that money from those sponsors. And I get in the beginning maybe why, oh boy, I don't even want to say it this way, but why you can almost justify it. Maybe, maybe because you say, okay, I'm going to take their money. I'm going to provoke Bitcoin with it. So I'm going to like, you know, you know, uh, sort of subvert their, take some of their profits and use it almost against them. But, yeah. but not really because he doesn't speak out against his sponsors because he can't. I get it. I think he's at a level now where he can dis, just get rid of all those sponsors and just get real Bitcoin only sponsors. He may take a pay cut, but I think uh, he well, he certainly wouldn't get as much blowback from the community. Um, some people may never forgive him. That's just the way some people are. But I think he would feel better about himself. I think he'd have a higher integrity level on in, in himself. But that's just my opinion of one man. He has to do what he wants to do. I don't fault him for it. Totally. I said my piece. I don't I don't like most of his sponsors because I don't like who they promote. Uh, I, I, it is for me, it is somewhat about a purity test here in terms of Bitcoin, not, not people, because none of us are going to be pure. Uh, but, but Bitcoin is just this pure truth machine. 
It's so incredibly important uh, beyond, uh, to me, it's the most important invention in all of human history because it's the best form of money, money being the, the most important invention before that, uh, because money allowed for the division of labor and for specialization and for prosperity. Without money, humanity could never be where it is today, literally. Uh, without the ability to trade, and trade got better because money got invented, and it's been through lots of iterations, and we, you know, we settled on precious metals, but now we have digital gold in the form of Bitcoin. We now have the best form of money, which has been the thing that has propelled humanity through all of its progress uh, more than any other single item, in my opinion. It is the one most saleable good. Uh, you can sell money for anything or buy money with anything. Money is just another good, but it's a universal intermediary good. We all know this. Guys like me and you know this. Many of the listeners are going to know this. But the idea is that money was is like really the most important tool that humans universal tool right i got jigsaws but not everybody needs one right yep. but everybody needs money right so the, yep. when i say tool i mean universal this is what makes it so important and then when you get that tool in its best form like we have it now to me that's the best the most important invention in the world so all the distractions that take away from the adoption of bitcoin are hurting people right now, in my opinion. So every one of these S coins and every single business that supports them at every level, even if they mean well, is in fact hurting the adoption of Bitcoin and hurting the leveling of the playing field for all of humanity. It is slowing down the destruction of the evil banker state that destroys lives and steals profits from the working class. It is slowing all that down, right? So if you're not 100% for Bitcoin and promoting just Bitcoin, you are not helping future societies as much as you could be. Wholeheartedly, uh, I, whole I wholeheartedly I, I am, agree. I am blinders on, 100% focused. This is my life's mission now, right? Yeah. I am going to dissolve my construction company. I'm going to spend the rest of my life with a bullhorn trying to convince people, you need this. Everybody needs this. Humanity needs this. Please, just if you don't take me seriously... Just this is one more touch, okay? Don't ignore it past me. You've heard me say it. You don't have to believe me. Just don't ignore, just don't keep ignoring it like you've been ignoring it, especially if this is not your first touch, right? That's it, right? Don't ignore this thing. Look at what's happened in 12 years, a roughly 200% annual increase compounded over 12 years. No guarantee that it'll happen, but when you look into the fundamentals, it's almost impossible to believe it won't happen because that's where we're at. We're at such a level of conviction because... For me, I know how this thing works at the code level, right? I know you can't just break it. I know governments can't just shut it off. The FUD about energy waste is oh, just that, a oh. complete FUD. If people only understood what is happening in this network, truly happening behind the scenes at so many levels, the amount of people I've met now that are doing the hard work in the trenches, I'm just a guy that talks, right? I I've done a couple things. I wrote an article that people seem to like, right? I did a tutorial for Bitcoin Kindergarten. That might help some people. And, I, and I'm happy I've been able to contribute in my tiny, tiny little way. But boy, the people that are doing mining on oil wells like Marty Bent and Denver Bitcoin and, you know, these the companies that they they support that are that are helping make that stuff happen. Uh, Hoddle Tarantula, this guy, that that's how I know him on. He just did a, 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 a presentation last night for Bitcoin Kindergarten that was fantastic. I had no idea how deep this guy is into mining in unproductive, ready-to-shut-down oil fields, like out in the boondocks. What this guy's doing is like, whoa, unbelievable. It's amazing. Like, you have no idea the amount of stuff going on behind the 
you know, under the radar, behind the scenes. People just don't know. Uh, I, I, I said something like this once, but there is, I think I wrote it in this that article that I, where I compared Bitcoin to real estate, where I said, behind the scenes, there are people working at every level, in finance, in banking, in uh, at the computer code level, at the hardware building level, at the podcast level, at the... Um, writing articles level, you know, like what, what, whoever you are, you know, journalists, there are people all day, every day, millions of people working on and promoting Bitcoin. Yep. This is an ecosystem that's not going away ever. And it is likely to grow. Uh, you know, you have things like uh, Matt O'Dell says, um, and I don't know if he's the one who, who said this, but it, um, it's designed to always go up. Bitcoin is designed for number go up technology, NGU technology, we call it. All right. And I believe that. I do believe that because of its, its um, um, finite nature. I've said it this way. Um, when you consider all of humanity back from the Stone Age to where we are today, we now have on this planet more human created value than we had back then. Yep. Okay. So yep. humans have collectively added more value onto the planet. Things we get to enjoy, you know, boats and ski slopes with lifts that take us to the top. All these things we built, this is value. It sits there on the planet. We made this happen, us humans. We did it because we had money. So now we have collectively added more value than we have destroyed. Now, I mean, you could debate, maybe we destroyed some rainforests and, and it's hard to put a price on certain things. So I don't, wanna, I don't wanna diminish that. But in general, of all the items we've invented and destroyed, you know, things have gone into landfills. They've gotten broken and we've thrown them away. But in general, we have more than we've, we have more still created than what has been destroyed. Now, if you have one static um, volume of money that gets used and traded around by everybody. So we have the Bitcoin network, 21 million Bitcoin divided yep. by 100 million smaller units and even smaller on the Lightning network. So we have this finite amount. You can chop it up into smaller pieces, but the overall total never gets any bigger. You know, some people don't know how to cut up a pizza, right? So some people will get that joke. Yep. Um, but, yep. um, but uh, so we have a finite amount. Doesn't matter how many little chop, how many pieces you chop it up into the overall pie never gets bigger. And that's what we're participating in here. So if you have a monetary system that can't get bigger, but more items on the planet are being created, the only thing that can happen in order to move those items around and continue trading human among human, the only thing that can happen is the value of those items needs to go down relative to the units that are used to trade them. So the value of the units go up or the, or the value of the items go down relative to the units, which means that your Bitcoin 100 years from now, if you, if you get Bitcoin for going to work someday and save it for 10 years, it'll buy you more even 100 years from now yep. versus now during its early stage adoption. Those increases are so exponential that some get people get to buy Bitcoin at a dollar and sell that single Bitcoin at 50,000 right now. For those who did it and still held it, that's an incredible upside gain that they had. And those upside gains will never be that big ever again, probably. Right. But somebody holding Bitcoin now might see a 10, 20, 50, 100 X on that on that uh, holding that asset now uh, if they're still alive in 10, 20, 30, 50 years. And some people will be. I know people that are in their 20s that are very likely to still be here in 50 years. And if they yeah. own one Bitcoin now, that could have the purchasing power of $100 million of purchasing power today. That's possible to happen because number go up technology will never stop. The value of every unit of a Bitcoin will never stop going up, period. 
This is why this is so incredibly important because this gives people the ability to go to work and save their productivity and just not think about anything. That's the way money's supposed to work. It's supposed to save your productivity and not have it melt away through inflation like the governments are doing to people. So if you could just go to work and save your money, you don't have to be an investment guru anymore. You don't have to take risks. You don't have to start a business. You just go to work and save your money. Spend what you need to spend and save the rest. And guess what? Bam, you can live off of that someday in the future because its purchasing power will keep going up if you have a finite supply. And the world finally does. And once the world switches over in a couple generations, I say this routinely, I will stick by this until I see evidence to the contrary, that even with the un, the concept of exponential growth, which I get, because this could happen very quickly, I still think two generations, two generations before most of the world is on a Bitcoin standard. A lot of old people have to die. A lot of old people and old institutions that are entrenched in the fiat money system that make their profits through that, that don't want to give that up, that have reasons not to give that up. Those people have to be taken over by younger people, those businesses, those government agencies. We just have to see a flipping of people through the system. And those younger people that are learning Bitcoin now, that are given Bitcoin now by their parents or their grandparents or somebody that's looking out for them for their future. I've given Bitcoin away to people that's worth five times what, I, what it was when I gave it to them. I hope they were smart enough to remember not to lose the password or don't throw away that little open dime I gave it to them on or whatever it might be. For me, though, smartly for me, whenever I gave away Bitcoin, I repurchased it. So I've never really given away Bitcoin. I gave them some fiat in the form of Bitcoin. They get to hold it while it appreciated. But I had my same share because I made sure I bought it back because I knew I'm not giving away any Bitcoin for nothing, man. No way. So to me, it was just a pass through of some fiat. But they got the best gift of their life if they understand it. Right. No. They got something that'll just keep going up forever. Right. And hopefully some of those people are smart enough to keep accumulating beyond that. Uh, but anyway. That's a. I said a lot. I, I don't know how far off topic this, you got, this, but thank this you is for what, letting me rant. Because no, love this this, this is why I wanted you on the show because I know that you can just spew off what's in your head and what's going on in your heart and everything else. And you know, if there's one thing I want my guests to get over to people because I keep bleating on about it, and you know, I don't think some people get this, and that's family as well. You don't need a lot of Bitcoin. Just get off zero and get what you can, as little as you can, as often as you can, and just hold it for a couple of decades. You know, I'm telling my daughter, Buffy W, who's a regular on my show, she's not on tonight. You know, she's she's 42. I'm saying just accumulate Bitcoin until you're 60. Just keep doing it. Don't change oh, anything yeah. in your life. Just pull the belt in, keep buying what you can and forget it. Yep. Because what Bitcoin it's has so done true. for me and it's done for you and many others is it's retrained our brain to save. Yes. It's about oh, saving. Totally. You know, you I've go never to been you such go, a saver in my life. I can't believe it. <laughs> you go to buy and something. It's not like I didn't save anything, but boy, what a I will go without so much stuff to buy a few more sats at this moment, right? Because I know I could live like a king in five, ten, fifteen years from now. I've got uh, to yeah, so I've got to tell you something, and my, my lovely wife in the chat will back this up. I'm a bit of a car nut, and I like cars. I've always owned BMW and Mercedes. And a couple of years ago, I had the money. We were talking about it off air, and I was going to get a new car. And all of a sudden, because of Bitcoin, we sat outside with a beer, and I said to, to Elaine, do you know something? I need that car, but what if I just make do with what I've got and shove that into Bitcoin? And that was in... 2019 and i've held it 
to where we are today. So you know, can do the and math. You could I think probably buy that car for a fraction of what you. I could get. Th- I could get on- three of them. I could get three right. of them. So you can get your car and you still have all that value. But I'm not getting it. that value still no, in Victor? I'm not getting it. <laughs> I, know, I know that. But just that, but just think about that, right? You have yeah. the opportunity to now get that car and still have twice the money from that you would have spent to have the car. And all you had to do is wait a couple of years. That's it's it. it's, it's that's, bizarre that's because now we've got more money than we need for the car. My brain is right. now saying, because I've learned, I've been in, you know, an epoch, I think they call it, or a four-year cycle, whatever it's called. You yeah. know, I've now been in and it's like, okay, so I could go and get the car and still have loads left over, but I don't want to because I know Bitcoin number go up. You know, so all of a sudden, it's this, it's this, I don't know, it's almost like this um, circle of life type thing where by being involved, by learning, it re-educates you on money, it re-educates you on saving. And, you know, and then people on, like you come on the show and, you know, spout out what you've just spouted out. People, if you are not getting this, you've got to get in that rabbit hole and get it. This is not just a way to, you know, own something you can make a bit of profit on. Jim's just right. explained about how, and I see it slightly different to you, Jim, because I'm not that well educated. I'm just some crazy Brit that wants to get on and talk about Bitcoin. But here's what I see I see this pool of 21 million coins, okay? And I see them all divided up. And as more and more money pours into Bitcoin, all those little bits of the 21. There's got to be thousands and millions and millions. They've got to be broken down into littler, tinier, 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 tinier bits. And those little bits are going to go up and up and up and up in value because we're going to have to divide the the world's money. I don't know, 300 um, trillion, 500 trillion, whatever they're talking about. We're going to have to divide that into 18 million Bitcoin because two or three million are lost forever. You know, what the hell? Just common common sense. And I didn't do math at school, but common sense says, Jesus Christmas, that is all you need to do. Accumulate what you can. $50 here, $20 there. Just accumulate it and get on with your life and put it away. Don't keep looking at the charts because they'll send you stir crazy. Just keep accumulating over a nice period of time and you look back, you'll set your family up. Am I right? Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. When I was on uh, Peter's show last week with Hoddle, he he threw out a calculation. I don't know how accurate it is, but I I have a feeling it's either close or 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 at least it represents a potential type of a return. He said something to the effect that if you took like say five dollars a day and bought Bitcoin, and he may have ran the math on this, and you start doing the compounding, and you and he he even um, his example, what he said was. You start out by saying Bitcoin's had 200% a year average annual return. Let's say it's just half that, 100%. And then yep. he went into this. He goes, so let's say it's 100%. Take $5 a day. He says, you do that for 20 years, you'll have like $5 million. Are you really going to feel $5 a day if you just do that every day? Dollar cost average, assuming it's going to keep going up 100% a year, blah, blah, blah. Now, I don't know if that math works out exactly like that, but dollar cost averaging does, excuse me, dollar cost averaging does work out that way. If you just put your head down and just keep buying some, make believe the money's spent, long-term savings, you will be fabulously rewarded in 20 or 30 years because there's almost nothing that's going to... I can't think of a thing that's going to stop Bitcoin from going becoming more adopted and its individual units becoming worth more in their purchasing power. I want to use certain wording. I try to be careful about how I say things because 
you know, you could say the price of Bitcoin and we could say, well, price against what other currency or what other thing, right? Yeah. Um, I like to think of purchasing power. And so you can just think about what does your British pounds or my US dollars purchase me? And then so I can use my current understanding of what a dollar buys me to say, well, a million dollars buys me this. So if I have the 20 years from now, a million dollars worth of purchasing power in my life, I can buy a mansion, you know, 20 years from now for my $5,000, $10,000 investment today or whatever. So that is a powerful image that you can give yourself. Now, will you be denominating in dollars or British pounds by then? Maybe not. You know, maybe it'll just be you'll just learn to value things against Bitcoin. Yep. And people will sell things for Bitcoin. It's going to happen. It's already happening. But, you know, one day it will be the unit of account. It will be the thing people measure their value in. And everything is related to that. You will never think of. And this is another thing. You said the word profits before. And I, I have to laugh when people think about buying Bitcoin to make profits. I think you're buying Bitcoin to buy Bitcoin. There is no profits. You don't go back out of Bitcoin. You just live your life off of Bitcoin someday if, in fact, you have a plan to use it for anything. You spend it as Bitcoin. There is no going back to dollars. What, what is this profit, taking profits? I don't, I don't relate to that because I, I think that why would you ever want to get back out of Bitcoin if you own some? That's insane, right? You want as many sats as you can get because they're always going to keep going up. So it's yep. only at the point where you want to start to use them to live off of where you're willing to uh, forego future increases in purchasing power. That's it. When you're ready to say, okay, when I spend this, I lose its future increased purchasing power. But what good is that if I'm dead? So at some point, I think I would encourage, highly encourage this narrative to start getting adopted by people. Not I'm going to hold my Bitcoin forever. I'm going to hold my Bitcoin until it can support me at a lifestyle I'm willing to live, including, if I want to, a giant chunk for my heirs, yep. right? Because some people want that, right? Yep. I love yep. that idea. I think that's great. Set up your family, leave a legacy, be the patriarch, matriarch of your family that, you know, your picture is over everybody's mantle for the next 20 generations because this guy got us into the Bitcoin standard. You know, great, 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 great uncle, sorry for Jim, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter, right? You could be that guy. You could be that legend for a a family tree of people who will never know you personally because you got the family going in the right direction and you left enough for each of your kids who could leave enough for each of their kids and bam, it just keeps going, right? If that's what you want to do, great. Save your Bitcoin, never spend a dime. I personally want to live a freaking awesome life off of my Bitcoin, right? Yeah. So I'm going to do an actuarial calculation and say, hmm, how much, how fancy of a life do I really want to live every year? Maybe I can increase that if the price goes up enough, but I'll pick a number and go, you know what? I could live at that level for the rest of my life. Now, that might be for me a nice house in a certain place or enough money to always travel and be able to pay for hotel rooms. I love what Adam Meister does. He's always moving. He has the money. He can do it, right? He doesn't have to own a house right now. You know, you own a house, you pay mortgage, you pay taxes, you pay maintenance costs. It's really no different than living in an Airbnb or something else. You're going to pay to live somewhere forever, even if you own the house. Yeah. You will pay for maintenance. I People pay huge amounts of money to keep their houses up even after they already own them and forget about taxes. That's a never ending cost, right? So you're going to pay to live somewhere. Ever. So, right. All right. So you need money to live. You could live in one house or you could live all over the world. Pick a lifestyle, decide how much money you need to support that lifestyle. Then do the backwards actuarial calculations that insurance companies do all the time. When you give them a large chunk of money and they promise to pay you for the rest of your life, an annuity payment every month of some guaranteed amount, right? Your Bitcoin can, you can figure it out backwards and go, okay, I could drain off one, 
you know, several hundred Satoshis or several million Satoshis or whatever that number is for my monthly rent. And, you know, oh, my stack will last me 50 years. I ain't going to live that long. I'm good. I can start living off my Bitcoin now. There's going to be a day where I don't ever care about taking any more Bitcoin in. I'm just going to start living the freaking awesomest life that I can fit into my 24 hours every day, whether it's surfing, hanging out with people, traveling, uh, you know, a good night's sleep on an awesome mattress or uh, in a in a in a sleeping bag in a tent in the woods. If it's what I want to do at that moment and I'm stoked, I'm, I'm living my life and I'm spending my Bitcoin to do it and I don't care. And everybody it is, should do that. It is about living your life how you want to live your life. And the problem is, and we were talking about this off air, most people can't live and be the people they were born to be because the right. constraints of having no money and having a job where your boss don't care about you and being tired all the time and never seeing your family and, and bloody, bloody, blah. And, and whether we like it or not, you know, you can have a much better life with money than you can without money. You can give to yeah. more, you know, oh, needy yeah. causes when you got money than without money. So then we come down to there are two trains of thought. You either are going to be, uh, I don't know what the, the term for this is, but you're going to buy and buy and buy until you die and leave a legacy for generations to come. Or you're going to be someone like you and definitely like us, where we get to a point where we have a strategy, where we know that we're going to now start living and enjoying that and still leave that legacy for my children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. And I, I want the accolade when I'm in the ground of people saying, my goodness, Uncle Brian or Granddad Brian or whatever it was, Jeez, we laughed at him. We thought he was a bit nuts when he kept going on about. My grandkids do it right now. You know, I men I mention it, and as I love them as I do, but the eyes start to roll. You know, <laughs> and and it's you like, know what? They're lucky they got you, dude, because they will get orange filled. Eventually, they will, and they'll yeah. get it. And they'll thank. They'll go. We got the greatest grandpa in the world. <laughs> Holy crap, man! I, I wanted to say something about that because I, my mother's father, was a role model for me. He was just such a great person, very humble, nice man, hard worker. Raised his my mom, only child, you know, but did it right. Uh, middle class life, but never in debt. Worked a hard job. He was a volunteer fireman for like sixty nine years. Like almost, I think he might have been the longest serving volunteer fireman in the in the department where he was. I mean, like he started when he was like in his early 20s and he and he, he was still a member at 92 when he passed away. Wow. So like it's insane. Right. And such a such a role model. And I, I just think about that. It's like, you know, I, I would I would love for some little kids to, you know, have that impression of somebody like me, let's say like, so if, if I'm blessed someday to have some grandkids running around that I could be a grandpa to, I would love that, you know, mm. but I think it's great because you already have these grandkids, you're alive, they're alive, you now have this opportunity to mold some small brains into some thinking, they're not going to get in public school, they're not going to get it off the TV, this is important stuff, they just don't know it yet, but they love you, your grandpa, so they're going to have to deal with you, they're going to have to listen to you at uh, Christmas dinner or whatever it might be, right, so, you know, they just can't <laughs> run away, it's grandpa, we're stuck with grandpa, but one day it's going to click, and they're going to go, holy crap, grandpa was right the whole time, man, is he smart, yeah, it's great, it's great, you have such a cool opportunity um, to help build this family dynasty, like, like with people that are calling you crazy, that's kind of cool. Like, like you could just sit back and go, ah, they just don't know what I got up my sleeve. They just don't know. They think I'm crazy, but I'm, I'm not. So, I'm so excited. So cool. I'm so excited by that. 
I am so yeah, excited yeah, yeah. by that, and cool. and I'm and I'm driving that. I'm absolutely yeah. driving it, and you know they they, they can laugh all they like. They can talk yeah. about it and behind me in my back when I'm gone. You know all they like, but at the end of the day, I'm not letting go of the fact that I. We, Elaine and I, because she's on board too, we are taking personal responsibility uh, to secure the financial futures of our family for generations to come. That is my goal. But it's equal, equally about us enjoying the latter years of our lives and traveling. Mm. Jim, I'm telling you now, I want nothing. I wanted to be at Miami. I so wanted to be there. Yeah. But I'm not going to go and spend my Bitcoin to go there, if that makes sense. So, well, it does make sense. I totally it, get it. So, it's a lot of money. You know, because whilst it would be an incredible conference and everyone's there, I'll look at the two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000, whatever it's going to cost to get there and all the rest of it. And then you look at that and you think, crikey, in five years' time, that conference cost me 50 grand or 30 grand now there's value in meeting bitcoiners and building connections i get all of that but i just am not willing to spend if i had enough crappy fiat to do that i would definitely do it but i want to be able to meet some of these people that i'm interviewing chatting with online going on their shows and i want to meet and build real friendships with a group of people that are all moving in the same direction. And it's that that does it for me, this this movement. Whoever we speak to that's involved in Bitcoin, they're all going in the same direction. They might have variables on what they want the, the end result to be, but they're all going in one direction, same thought process, same positivity around Bitcoin. You know, I, I just steer straight away from anybody that starts talking about poop coins because I am totally and utterly Bitcoin focused. I know, you know, we could spend another hour talking about that side of things. But oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what sure. I want to do, I want, I want to switch tacks, if I may. And I want to just, sure. if I can, delve into the Chamath situation. Tell me a little okay. bit about that. Right. OK, I'm not massive on Twitter. Now, I'm on there. I I guess I'm a stalker. I watch the feeds. I read people's three cause, threads because I want to learn. You know, you know, I might share something or like something. I always tweet about my show, but I'm not big on getting into Twitter battles. But you literally, from what I can gather, you literally just you put a message out, didn't you, that said something to, to Bitcoin magazine. I believe that, you know, I can't you know, what are you? you're doing i thought this was a bitcoin only conference and you're inviting these i don't know whether you use I, I i scanned down through your tweets for hours i got dizzy and felt sick trying to find the original <laughs> tweet and i couldn't find it but from what oh, i can really? gather oh. yeah i don't understand that you can go and search straight for one there's probably a way but i i couldn't find it but i wanted to just talk about it for a minute um you didn't do anything out of the ordinary, did you? You weren't rude or offensive oh, not for me. or anything, well, but would, well, he went at you, you didn't could, he? You could call me rude and offensive for sure, because I can be. And I was just being, uh, I, 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 what comes, the phrase that comes to mind is a toxic Bitcoin pleb is what I, I feel like, uh, you know, I, 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 my exposure to this ecosystem was such that, and going, having gone through the bear market of the last couple of years was, that the strong-handed hodlers of which I considered myself were these pure, you know, we're not taking crap from people because we've seen the crap. You know, we, we went through the ICO craze of 2017 and now yep. the stupid NFT craze and you just get fed up and you get really toxic. You get pissed off. You want to, you know, call people jerks because they just, you know, they, they, their narratives are, you know, years, years ago were already, 
you know, proven to be false. There's just too much of this stuff going on. And, and so um, I, the, the conference, so, you know, you had touched on it about spending money to go and whatnot. And I have found a lot of value in going to these conferences. And of course, for me, it's not nearly as far or as expensive. So I wanted to go and I didn't know much about uh, the Bitcoin magazine, the corporation putting on the conference. <clears throat> I just wanted to go. Yep. And so um, when I saw a tweet, I guess from them announcing that Mike Novogratz was going to be a speaker, I was disappointed because I don't, as much as he may be a, uh, a believer in Bitcoin, he also promotes heavily alternative cryptocurrencies. And I think because of the technology behind them, I think they're all going to zero one day. And we could talk for hours about that. But if that's in fact true, and if I'm right, and I believe there are much smarter people than me that believe this, and that's partly why I believe it. guys that know how to read and write computer codes say this stuff. Yep. And I've been hearing it for years and I've been looking around. I said earlier, I read lots of white papers. So if this is in fact true, that these things are garbage and they're going to zero, they actually have no utility. And there's just a giant hyped ecosystem around this thing. People believing it can be like Bitcoin or it might be the next Bitcoin or whatever. And this giant ecosystem was created, billions of dollars zipping around the world, exchanges all, all over the place, DeFi and all this crazy stuff that people are trying to build off of this. Anybody who promotes that, that studies it deeply enough, that comes to the same conclusion I've come to and so have many of other people, that this stuff's going to zero. It can't ever be what they say they, they think it could be. Technologically, it's kind of impossible. So there's this, if you want to take it to that level, I take it to a, a level of technological impossibility. They can never be the things that they uh, advertise that they want to be. And again, you know, this is a very deep technical discussion. But if, in fact, that's true and you do the homework and you come to the realization that that's true and you continue to promote this stuff or if you're unwilling to do the homework that leads you to believe that that is there's enough people screaming about this, that if you're in the in this for the billions and millions and whatever, if you don't take the time to pull some of these genuine people aside and say, look, call them out. Wanna... Yeah, call them out. No, yeah. no, 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 no. You 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 are the guy who's ready to promote these other things right so like mike right. novogratz digital galaxy whatever his company is yep. he believes in a diversified crypto portfolio okay you got enough people out there screaming that these other currencies these s coins poop coins whatever you want to call them they're garbage and you're promoting this stuff as a as a mixed diversified basket of a crypto portfolio now if you if you're out there doing that and you hear really respected people in the Bitcoin community t saying generically that that stuff's garbage and you ignore it, you are a criminal, basically. You are unwilling to consider you might be doing something wrong. There are people calling you out and you're just going to go, no, I don't want to look. I don't see it. It's not really there. Come on. Right. So now, OK, if you're not going to do that, what's the what's the thing to do? If you're if you're a genuine person with ethics and morals, you're going to call one of these guys up and you're loaded, you've got millions and billions, you could pay them any amount of money to privately tutor you. You could take it that far, right? Mm. You could pay other people to go learn on your behalf. Go find out what that guy knows. I'll pay you any amount of money, and I'll pay him any amount of money. I don't have the time. I want to pay golf. I want you to come back to me with the truth, right? Some way, somewhere, if you're genuine and you have enough money, you can find the truth. I believe that's what Michael Saylor did. Honestly, the guy's got more than enough money. He could have created, he could have been like Elon and jumped on the Doge bandwagon and bought some under the table and made money doing that. But the guy sees real, genuine value. He's yep. like me. 
or I'm like him, whatever. He's way smarter than me, I think. But he's an engineer. He thinks like an engineer. He wants to see the logic. It has to work. You can't, you can't deny gravity just because you don't want it to be there. I'm yep. sorry. Yep. It doesn't work. Yeah, I'll get right? it. First principles are there. You either act with them or they crush you, right? So Bitcoin is a first principle of money. It's a first principle of code. It's a first principle of, um, you know, uh, whatever. however you want to describe the mechanism that is Bitcoin. It acts in first principle type ways. The, the incentives for everybody to join the Bitcoin network, the incentives are to make it not break, right? You could try to attack Bitcoin, but guess what? If you get a bunch of Bitcoin, then you try to attack it by stealing other people's Bitcoin. You just shot yourself in the foot. Yeah. The Bitcoin you, you are trying to steal from people becomes worthless if you're successful. So the, everything begins to line up. It's just so well built i want to say perfect because but maybe it's not perfect but it's so close to perfect that this thing you know it's just i can't relate to anybody promoting these other things because to me they're technologically different all right so I, I i tend to ramble but thankfully i remembered where this started you wanted to know what happened with your mouth so i tweet out thinking this is a bitcoin only conference i was disappointed that they were having this Novogratz guy speak. But all I did was I tagged Chamath in the same tweet because I think he's similar. He invests in all this other stuff, promoting it in such a way that they themselves get very wealthy and other people indirectly get wrecked. And their reputation precedes them. And I think people lazily don't do the homework because they trust the guy. Because the guy has built up a reputation and maybe he's been very honest. Maybe he's done really great things in other ways, but now he's into this new thing and he didn't do the homework and he's promoting this like it's every other thing that he knows or he thinks he knows or whatever. And then they get into this realm where they're literally deceiving people, whether knowingly or unknowingly. And when you're that rich and you're that much of an influencer, and you can't tell me these guys don't know they're influencers because they are. They're not only working with millions and billions of dollars, but they have millions of followers on Twitter or whatnot or whatever it might be. So these guys know where they stand in the community and they know they can move markets. They can move prices every once in a while. I think Elon Musk may have moved the price of Bitcoin yesterday by his stupid tweet about energy FUD. And I think that's terrible that a man like him in his position could actually be that stupid. And I'm calling him right out. The man's stupid. Yeah, he is. He's either stupid or he's lying to people. Because for him not to know that that was an absolutely, not only straight up false tweet, but that that he's literally spreading disinformation that people are going to make financial decisions on that. And he's wrecking people with mistruths. I think it's absolutely like borders on criminal for a man like that to be able to say something that's literally untrue, straight up untrue. Stop a minute. Stop. We could pick that apart all day long. Stop. Stop. No, carry on in a second, but I've got to read you something. JC down in South Africa, he's saying, neighbor has just WhatsApped me and asked why I'm screaming thank you every two minutes like a madman. (laughs) He's he's agreeing with you. So, (laughs) JC, you keep screaming thank you, Jim. He's in South Africa, did you say? (laughs) This is what I love. This is blowing my mind, right? I'm sitting here in my office in Long Island, New York. UK. Because I love Bitcoin, right? Me and you talking across the Atlantic Ocean. We just, I'm here because I love Bitcoin. I'm not getting paid 
I'm just, I just love doing this stuff, man. And I want the world to like, I literally want the world to hear my enthusiasm. I mean, if it helps anybody and this guy's screaming in South Africa, this is so cool. This to me is like one of the coolest things in the world. I, I'm like blown away because I just, I just would be here if it was just me and you and not a single person, was, but me and you was hearing this. Yeah, I could just too. talk to you for two me hours too. and yeah. nobody on the planet would know we had that conversation, but yeah. I would still enjoy it. So I like, I don't care. Go like, on, carry on, is, carry on. Awesome Jamath. Yeah. Well, anyway, so get back to the Jamath thing. I just tweeted out that I was disappointed because I thought I was going to a Bitcoin only conference. And to me, so, all right, I've learned a lot and I respect the guys putting on the conference. I highly, I want to say this. I highly respect the guys putting on the conference. I don't agree with their choice of speakers, but I agree with their perspective on why they're doing what they're doing and even why they did chose certain speakers. Yeah. Okay. They're willing to separate the, the other part of that speaker's life with their Bitcoin life. And they've all been told, and I heard David Bailey today with CK um, on a podcast talking about this, saying they were all told you are not allowed to talk about anything other than Bitcoin. If you're coming, you're coming for Bitcoin and don't come otherwise. And so yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't recognize that that was their position because I didn't know it. I just was disappointed. I literally was just disappointed. I wasn't even telling them fire the guy. I wasn't calling for him not to speak. I was like, why did you, why did you hire these, these guys, these two guys, and the end of that tweet was something like, you know, you're not making yourselves look very good here. Well, Chamath saw it because I tagged him. I didn't know the guy. I barely knew who he was. Mm -hmm. I just thought he was not the best representation for a keynote speaker at a Bitcoin only conference. That was it. Yeah. I thought there's other speakers, plenty of other speakers could have easily drawn as big of a crowd and were more Bitcoin only focused. And I don't believe he is. No matter how much he loves Bitcoin, he dabbles in enough stuff that I think is borderline scammy let's just say that okay and i to me that goes to a person's integrity so yep. if you're gonna have a speaker at your conference shouldn't you have somebody with the highest possible integrity no one's perfect i get that right we all have to compromise our values for the greater good on a million levels and i could i can give you examples but it's not the point the point is that i personally if it was me organizing the conference i would have said you know what He's, he's into Bitcoin, but I don't like the other stuff. Let me look for somebody else. That's just me. And so that's all I did. Well, Chamath didn't like it. He tweeted back and he more or less belittled a total noob pleb. You know, I had a couple thousand followers at the time and my Twitter is blown up beyond. I can't even fathom the amount of followers I got. In about 11,000, isn't it? Is it about 11,000? It's 11, insane, dude. It's insane. I was just a nobody. <laughs> a months ago. Why do all these people want to listen to me all of a sudden? But it's like. I just took a I just took a stance I would have taken anyway. Like I was disappointed. Well, the guy attacked me, and everybody thought that was unjust. Literally, that's just all it was. Like I didn't make this happen. I was just the guy that just lit the match, I guess, and the barn fire started. I I don't know. I, maybe that's a bad example because I'm not a, a, a an arsonist. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I I started the snowball at the top of the hill, and it just went on without me, and it just grew. I had nothing to do with it after that. I don't know. The point is people got behind me because they didn't like what he said to me, to just some dude. A lot of them were people that knew me, but other people didn't know me. They just th thought he was a jerk and they called him out on it. And he did. So I, well, I of course responded because I was offended by what he said about me. Um, he said something about, it's all about OGs and wannabes. So he's calling me a wannabe, but he doesn't know me at all. Yeah. He also said something about, I've been into Bitcoin since you were in your mommy's basement. Realize, yeah, not realizing that's it. I'm older than him. I read that. You know, yeah. so like yeah. that was a real belittling put down to somebody who had no idea who I was, literally no idea. And so people thought, what a, what a jerk, you know, this guy's supposed to be, have all this high moral standing and he's, you know, he's belittling some dude and calling him, you know, inferior or whatever, you know, however you wanted to interpret it. 
and I just said something back, you know, I've been out of mommy's basement, you know, decades before you were out of diapers, whatever. And I called him some disingenuous name, which I won't repeat on your show. And then he came back. This is it. It was four tweets. He comes back. Oh, old and broke. Something like that. You know, like, so he's literally belittling. So he doesn't even know. And he doesn't know if I'm broke. He has no idea. I could be worth millions. And he just doesn't know who I am. What does he know? The point is people didn't like it, but he's been this guy, you know, um, how, how else can I say this? Uh, working to help the downtrodden kind of character he tried to create, like I'm for the I'm for the little guy, so to speak, even though he's a billionaire or whatever. So people said that is not being for the little guy, dude. Not yeah. when you do that to somebody yeah. and the way you did it. So all of a sudden people are calling for him to like be fired and I should speak in his place. I'm not a public speaker. I can talk <laughs> here, but I've never given a public speech in my life. Really not that nothing, nothing monumental or, you know, in front of a handful of people maybe, but yeah. So, um, you know, it just, it just took on a life of its own. Uh, the Bitcoin poet on Twitter writes a poem about me slaying the billionaire or something crazy. <laughs> thing. I had nothing to do with it, but it was a cool poem. And then um, another guy, David, he writes a song. He puts his drums a guitar. He calls it the Ballad of Serpent Jim. People are like loving it, and it just picks up steam. I, you know, I of course I retweeted it, so I had something to do with it. But generally, I had nothing to do with this stuff. The community made it happen, right? And one thing led to another and there was another song and, and, you know, it just keeps going. Well, you know, lo and behold, Chamath fires himself. He, he, he selects himself out. I heard, matter of fact, David Bailey said it on that same podcast I just referenced. Mm. He was not fired and I would never have called for him to be fired. If he didn't do anything to break the contract with them, whatever that contract says, then he should not just be fired because a bunch of people don't like him, including me. It's not up. It's not. That's not how you run a business. That's not how you treat people. No. Uh, you can maybe never hire him again if you want to adopt my moral code or something else. But that's a that's a totally different argument. But he apparently chose to opt out because they said to him, the criteria is you have to be here in person. There is no Zoom, you know, uh, what do you call it? You know, virtual. Yeah. You're not going to do a virtual yeah. speech. And apparently yeah. David Bailey said this again on this uh, podcast I heard today. There were three or four people who all are not going to come now because they couldn't, for whatever reason, couldn't be there in person, but wanted to do something remote. And he said, no, 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 it's not, we don't want that. And so that, so he's not, so Chamath, yeah, he either, he created the conditions to make it look like he couldn't do it any other way. And he's opting out for no other reason other than he can't be there in person, or he's afraid to get booed off the stage. I don't know, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> he can't have not seen the pushback. I have not seen him react to the pushback give him credit for that because I reacted to people pushing back on me being on Peter's podcast last week. And I, I went way too far and I let it get to me <laughs> way too personally. Uh, so anybody listening to this that knows what I went through with certain people on Twitter last week understands I, I it stinks because these are people I otherwise got along with, but they were very disappointed in me. I did what I did for a reason. I'm going to actually, I'm going to mention it right now on purpose. I said it then and I'll say it again. <clears throat> I don't have to do this. I can retire. I'm done with my construction business. I'll probably be fine. I can find a way to either make a living or live off of what I've got. I, I, you know, it's fine. But I have a mission now. I want I want Bitcoin to be adopted for, for everybody in, in the whole world. I think it's uh, monumentally important for the human race, personally. It's way, it goes way beyond me having enough money to live my life. This is going to happen whether I help it happen or not. But boy, what a great... Um, cause to get behind i look at this as like for the rest of my life this is what i could say i did till the day i died i'm gonna be 
I'm going to feel super happy with the way I spent my hours. I'm going to feel like I maybe made a difference in some lives. And hopefully I actually did make a difference in some lives by showing them the way. By pointing, I know some people that have bought Bitcoin since I told them to are extremely happy with having finally listened to me after years of ignoring me because I realize I'm a, I'm a builder. Like, what do I know about finance? I'm out of my lane. People shouldn't necessarily listen to me, but just don't ignore me 100%. You know, I did some homework. I'm doing this because I'm your friend. I'm telling you this because I believe it. Go do a little homework and see if what I say is true because I'm telling you, you might be missing out on the life, lifetime opportunity here. And so I took this position with my friends. I've never backed down. Now they know I've ser I'm serious. Now most of them are admitting what a jerk they were for not listening. I, uh, the amount of you know, people I walk up to, I uh, haven't seen in two years, and they, as soon as they see me, they they hang their head down. They're like embarrassed, like, oh, yeah, damn, man, I should yeah. listen. You know, it's really sad. And at the same time, I go, dude, you're not late. Let's have that talk. Come on, I'm still in this, man. I'm still in this for you, for everybody else. I want to teach you. I want to show you. Let me explain what you missed. Let me explain why you're not late. And I'm super excited. It pumps me up when they when they start to come around and it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good that they now maybe maybe Jim did have something smart to say. Maybe I should listen to him. Maybe maybe he did do his homework. I don't know. So here I am. I got over four years of studying into this relentless. I mean, university level study. The amount of podcasts I listen to per day. I bet you I beat almost anybody on the planet. My earphones are never out of my ears. I'm by myself a lot. And I listen to everything at 2x. I am getting the deepest education I could get in all these things around Bitcoin that I can fathom that I care about. And so whether it's deep code level stuff or economic level stuff or anything, I don't care what it is. I, I want to know it. And I want to know that I am not uh, passing on misinformation, but I also want to make sure that all the information I've gathered so far keeps checking out. It's a constant don't trust verify. That's all yeah. this is. Yeah. Constant yeah. don't trust verify. Somebody comes up with a new product. Okay, don't trust it, man. Let me verify. How does it fit into the ecosystem? Who's promoting it? Do I trust that guy? I mean, we only trust anything in this life if we can cross-reference it with other things we've either tested ourselves or other people we already trust. That we really, really, really believe would not lie to us. That's all we do. <clears throat> we go through this life constantly navigating this, this idea of trust. As I said earlier, in the physical world, in the financial world, in the mental world, in the relationship world, it's all about finding who can we trust? How far can we trust them? You know, and, and, and is it going to give me the life I'm looking to get, right? We all want a certain life for ourselves, right? It's a very selfish thing, but I, I've said this before. It's part of, you know, the Austrian economics that I've learned having, having been exposed to Bitcoin. But humans, every single day, every single day, for you listening right now, pay attention to this. You and everybody else you know every day make thousands of decisions to remove current and future uneasiness. Mm. If you are planning for your retirement, you're planning to remove the uneasiness of the burden of the finances or whatever. If you are tweaking your diet right now, it's to remove the uneasiness you feel by the aches and pains you have or the fact that you want to stay healthy into the future. If you shift in your chair because your left butt cheek hurts, you are removing some current uneasiness just to be a little more comfortable. If you are hungry, you think about food to remove that current uneasiness, or you're not even hungry, but you go grocery shopping knowing you'll have future uneasiness because you will be hungry and you will need the food. So we plan our lives every single day to remove that uneasiness to find happiness, to find peace, to find contentment. I want to fall asleep in the sun on the beach. It is my goal for next Saturday. I am, that is the uneasiness of 
I don't want stress. I want to be able to relax. I'm just, this is a goal and I'm going to do whatever it takes for me to get to that goal, right? This, we do this. Everybody does this every single day. That's all we ever do. All of us every day. And, and you, how do we balance that? And you and tell me. Find, <laughs> what? You tell me you couldn't stand we, on that stage at Miami and inspire people. Man! Oh, well, whatever. All right, look, this is stuff I learned. I didn't make any of this stuff up. I'm just a pass-through mechanism. That's all I am. I've yep. said this before. I got 60 years of, of experience and knowledge in this brain up here for that for whatever else I could remember and pull it back out. If I leave it up there, it goes with me. If I spit it back out, it gets out there in the world and it bounces through some other brains and some other people might be affected by it. And you know what? That's 60 years of experience. It gets to become 160 years or 10,060 years worth of experience as it goes through the lives of other people, as they I, adopt it as truth, if it is in fact truth. And I, and I expect everybody to test it. Don't just take my word for it. Anything I say, maybe that guy knows what he's talking about. Maybe he's an idiot. But just don't trust verify. But I'm, I have no reason to be here other than to spew out things I believe are truth. Literally, no one's paying me. I'm not... I'm not trying to schmooze anybody. I'm not trying to impress a boss. My salary doesn't depend on this. My job, my future, nothing depends on whether I talk truthfully or untruthfully about Bitcoin. I have no reason to talk untruthfully because there's enough truth in here to make your head spin. Like why, why bother with this, the stupid stuff, you know, other than to dispel it, you know, in people's minds to straighten them out to the, what the real truth is. So, so I made a decision. Um, and I, I'm, I was really happy to hear CK say this on that podcast today. Uh, CK and I are, are, are friends now. I mean, I know the guy. I've spoken to him many times. I've been on a podcast with yeah, him. Yeah, I've had, I've had like him on him. my interviews. A, I've had him on my interviews. Yeah. He's a great guy, and he's so into Bitcoin. And he said it today. He said three years ago, he made a decision. He was going to be in the Bitcoin ecosystem. He was going to earn a living. He was going to find a way. And now he runs Bitcoin Magazine. He decides who the writers are. He helps put it together. He's like at the top of one level of the Bitcoin magazine chain. And man, I give that, I give him so much credit because he had a goal and he's making it happen. And so I decided I don't need to be in construction the rest of my life. I've done pretty good. I want to retire anybody uh, anyway. And, um, and I love the Bitcoin ecosystem. So I said, you know what, why not just devote the rest of my life to Bitcoin? Now, I don't know what I'm going to do. I still sitting here at this minute don't know exactly what I'm going to do. But the one thing I am going to do is not shut up. I'm going to go on every podcast. I am probably going to start one, not on my own, because I don't want all the behind the scenes work. But I have a friend who's a podcaster and we've had discussions and it's very, very likely we're going to create a, a show and I'll be on all the time. And so I'm going to create what I hope is educational con content and opinion, my opinion, if for those who can stomach it. Uh, but clearly um, some people have, um, embraced what I've said. I've gotten a ton of great feedback. And you know what? I will always be ahead of other people in my knowledge. That's never going to change. I got four years in a 12-year ecosystem. I've been here one third of the time it's been alive. Yeah, Some people have been mm. here for six months, right? Mm. So they may get smarter than me one day. They may go right past me one day. Good for them. You know what? But right now, I know a lot more than a lot of other people and millions to still come into this space. So every Wednesday, I do a thing with a bunch of cool guys. Uh, we get together. It's called Bitcoin Kindergarten. And we usually do an hour presentation. Somebody does a presentation. I did one called, uh, what is Bitcoin? How does it work? And why should you care? 
lasts about an hour and 15 minutes. You can find it on Bitcoin Kindergarten's channel. And if you just want like me telling you what I think about what is Bitcoin, how does it work and why should you care? You can listen to me for an hour. But last night, Hoddle Tarantula was on talking about how he mines out in uh, what are otherwise yet to be closed down uh, abandoned oil fields and gas fields, you know, that people are ready to shut them down. And he finds a way to uh, mine Bitcoin off of these things. He's turning this into value. Otherwise, things that would just be wasted. It was fantastic. So like we do this because there's always going to be somebody in kindergarten. That's it. There's always going to be somebody just brand new that needs to, that has no idea who Roger Ver is, what the forks, fork wars are, or Segwit 2X, nothing. Like I was, I lived through a bunch of that, not all of it. I had to learn my history in Bitcoin before I got in. And so mm -hmm. I've been learning that history, but I lived the last four years. So I'm part of that history, or at yeah. least I got to watch that history. So I get to be one of those people that helps educate the next group of people and they can help educate the next group. So this is what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to be in this space. I'm not going away. I'm not going to shut up. That's for damn sure. And I'm just going to teach as many people as I can about Bitcoin. I really appreciate you having me on. These are the opportunities. This is why I do it. I took a few hours out of my day to come back to my office and sit here and talk to you and not even get paid because I hope that somebody gets free value out of this and they could pass it forward. You know, what, what is they? Isn't that what it's called? Pay it, pay, pay it forward, pay it pay it forward. Right. <clears throat> right. So, you know, I'm paying forward. I have to thank the, you know, the guys that I've learned from in the past. Many, many people I could think of, you know, Gabriel Divine, Ansel Lindner and CK, um, certainly Adam Meister, Jimmy Song, Giacomo Zucco, Francis Puglia, NVK, uh, Preston Pish is just one of these brilliant people. BTC Benny. Who, oh, Benny, great. Oh, man. One of these people that's just been in down the rabbit hole for so long, puts out so much great content, you know, awesome, mm. awesome people, genuine, yeah. real people really, really wanting to help. Like, you know, uh, even guys behind the scenes that you don't know who they are, like Gigi, you know, you can just tell the guy's genuine, right? Yeah. Um, plenty of other big, big names that we know of. Pierre Richard was a was one of my early friends. I met him in New York at a local meetup. The guy was just a genuine dude, you know, but brilliant, you know. And then I got to meet Bitstein through him. And uh, and Pierre's wife is also really smart. And, you know, like they're building up a, a great little business down in Texas and growing their family and just promoting. Bitcoin. I mean, it's just so many great people. I, I can go on and on and on this. I wish I could name all of them right off the top of my head. These are just the ones that are popping in. I got so many cool New York Bitcoin friends now that that. I feel they're really genuine friends because when I walk in the room to a meetup, they they turn around with what looks like a genuine smile and they come up and hug me and like, surfing Jim, dude, good to see you, bro. Like, I'm like, wow, these guys are really my friends. These guys yep. are real people. Yep. Like, really, yep. I, it's so, like, it makes me emotional thinking about it. Like, the genuine real friends that I got that I didn't even know three years ago. These are like lifelong friends for the rest of my life. These people are going to be my friends, you know, like it's just so awesome. The Bitcoin community is so awesome. There's so much awesome stuff going on here. I never want to be out of it. So I'm going to do something. I complimented Peter McCormack on his show. I said, you know what? You did something that I wish I had done. You get to talk about Bitcoin every day and you get paid just to talk. So maybe one day I'll have a sponsor. Maybe somebody will pay me just to talk. But for now, I'm just going to talk. As, as, Adam, like it. <laughs> as Adam Meister says, be in motion as long as you're in That's motion. It, and I am in motion. I'm never for me, stop. it's the most amazing thing to be able to learn this stuff and be able to pass it on and share the message. Yeah. And, you know, you can't take it yeah, personally. It. Some will and some won't. You know, yeah. it's just it's just the most exciting thing to be part of. And, and the same thing. It is. It's the, amazing. The friendships amazing. that you make, 
You know, yeah. they'll be lifelong friends. Everyone's moving in the same direction. You know, yeah. I, I think you've also got to agree. It sometimes takes time before you start. If you talk of the content creators that are out there, sometimes you've got to get used to these people, listen to what they're saying. Are they are they congruent all of the time? Are they shilling something in the background or are they real Bitcoiners? And then you start to find out who they are, you know. And for me, you know, th- there is between five and ten that I could name straight off the bat that I absolutely know I could put anyone in front of them talk about Bitcoin and they're going to say the right things to them uh, and not yeah. shill some rubbish coin do you know what I mean yeah so yeah oh yeah you gotta Jim. find the signal over the noise you know and it's out there but it's it's just not easy because there's a lot of noise that looks like signal you know a lot of people with reputations and and really good uh, um, you know articulation skills or whatever and boy it sounds so convincing I mean how does a guy like Mark Cuban think that dogecoin matters and bitcoin doesn't i cannot fathom that man has too much money not to have hired the right people to do the right homework he goes on ellen DeGeneres' show millions of people hear him promote this stupid thing called dogecoin it stresses me it's out disgusting it's it not it's beyond disgusting it's really it's um it, i want to say it borders on criminal but i like I don't, i'm not a big fan of the state enforcing rules on other people but it's it really is so evil in a weird way to to go out there so clueless and say things that are gonna this is the this is the sad part. Most people don't do their homework. Most people are lazy and they just want to be told what to do or trust somebody that did do their homework. This is one of the problems with trust. Yep. And so if you really respect somebody and you have no reason not to trust them, you've watched them on television for years, you believe with them, uh, you're, you align with them uh, politically or ide- ideologically or whatever it might be, and you just like them and you always think what they tell you is the truth. And then they get into a realm that they, they don't know what they're talking about, but maybe they don't even know. They don't know what they're talking about. I want to give some of them a pass sometimes. Mark Cuban has more than enough time to get the real facts. So I don't, I hold him to a slightly higher standard at this point, but um those people, so if it's Oprah or anybody else, some people are going to believe them and not do the homework, trusting that they did the homework. And sadly, many of them don't. And it's the reason why I came to an epiphany when I realized I can't really trust the people in government because they have no skin in the game. They, they Their incentive is to get it done and, you know, like hopefully nobody looks at me if it fails <laughs> you know because yep. nobody's accountable in government and and like so there is no incentive for people in government to really do the hard homework unless of course it affects them directly or their the budget of their um department that they're going to get a bigger budget if they do better research or who knows what you know you got to look at incentives and there isn't really good incentives in, uh, aligned in government to find truth to find the best value. I mean, government wastes money at insane, insane amounts because they're not looking for the best value. Half of the stuff is, you know, collusion, who knows who. But in the in the real world, in, uh, you know, a capitalist society or entrepreneurial uh, endeavors, you you have to find real value. You have to find efficiencies. You don't get handouts from your, your you know, your friends with at the money spigot and whatnot. So like, yeah, there's, there's just too much. When these guys that have um, influence don't do their homework about serious subjects like something like Bitcoin versus Dogecoin. And then their, their lazy followers are misled because they are just that lazy and don't want to do the homework. People seriously, their lives are seriously hurt by it. And that's the sad part. If that man really understood that he's actually hurting people and had a conscience, 
Maybe he'd do the homework. Maybe he'd hire somebody that can truly explain it to him so he doesn't go out there looking like a buffoon. Because one day he is going to look like a buffoon. It is going to come back to him. And he'll either get away with it by, you know, oh, I didn't know. I really tried. And this guy lied to me and whatever. You know, they can make excuses all day. And many people will never hold their feet to the fire. But in the end, they're just lazy. And maybe they're going to get rich off of what they promote. There's just way too much. You know, that Chamath guy, he promotes uh, BitClout, you know, yeah. see tweets going out how it's going to be the next big thing. There is so much rigging behind the scenes collusion when you look at how that thing is set up. And he's one of the top guys to benefit. So when you see uh, what looks like a, a very neutral tweet about, guess what I discovered? This thing looks like it's going to really blow up. And boy, I'm really looking at this thing closely and not. In fact, saying, uh, you know, uh, full disclosure here, folks, um, I, I, I get, you know, 75 percent of the profits if you guys join. And by the way, this is how it really works. Uh, you know, a yep. lot of this is pumped up in advance and we set up fake accounts and we put uh, some BitCloud tokens in there, hoping that the real person will come and claim it and then it'll help give us some exposure. And so we're like we're like sort of faking it till we make it. You know, that's really what's going on here. But it's going to be big. Now, if you would actually say that no one would invest, but that's the truth. All right. When you really look at it, it's a joke. He's promoting a bunch of crap and he makes it look like it's not because he just, you know, maybe he's not saying a lie, but he's certainly not really showing. He's, un hand. he's unhinging the truth. He's obfuscating the truth. That's he is the right sure word. That certain important words and facts are not being talked about. We're just we're just not going to mention that stuff. We're going to talk about the nice, happy stuff. I don't know. That's what that's the stuff I hate. And it's guys like him, those SPACs that he promotes, those special acquisition, whatever they're called, you know, where, you know, a bunch of money gets put together to overtake a company. It reminds me of the um, the mergers and acquisitions crap that was going on in the 80s with Michael Milken and all this behind the scenes collusion stuff that was going on and destroying otherwise good companies because somebody else saw a way to um, sell off their assets for more money than the company was generating in a year. So they get quick, rich, and they destroy companies and lives, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. the equivalent of what I see him doing when he's creating these shell companies that simply move money around that don't produce any actual value that take over one company and sell it to another company and merge it with another company. All they're doing is pushing money around on the books to make it look like the on the books, the company's worth more now. No new value was ever created, but the share price went up and his portfolio just went up. These guys are evil bastards, excuse me, but I think it's disgusting. And it's because of fiat money and because of governments and words on paper that yeah. they get away with it. Yeah. Literally. Not Laws. What is a law? Some humans wrote words on paper and other humans have to abide by it. Why? Because implied behind the words are the threat of extortion and or violence. That is, you don't follow the rules, you pay us a fine. Or oh, we got the guns. The or we got the wait, guns. Wait, oh, yeah. wait, wait. wait. We, sent, we kept sending you letters. Hey, look, you broke our rule. You did, You parked across the stupid line on the in the parking spot, so you get a ticket for parking on the line. Or you parked beyond the, you know, the meter ran out, so now you owe us 100 bucks instead of a quarter, right? Because you were there extra 15 minutes, right? So, oh, wait, well, you don't agree? Wait, you're not going to pay us the money? We say you owe because we wrote words on paper and we control this area, so pay us the extortion money? No, no, no. I don't want to pay you. Okay, wait, wait. You don't want to pay us. We're going to go to a man in a robe who's going to write words on paper, and we're going to send that, that piece of paper to your bank, and they're going to give us the money, right? Because you won't voluntarily give it to us. We'll extort it right out of you using mm -hmm. the state. Oh, mm -hmm. and wait a minute. If we can't do that, we're going to come and 
put you in a box until you pay us the money. We're going to come and arrest you. That's called legal kidnapping, right? <laughs> Why do any of these people get away with this? Because of the money spigot, because the people at the top can pay all these people to enforce all this crap, right? But Bitcoin changes all that when the incentives change because governments can't just print money. So they can only spend what they have and they can only get if people voluntarily give it to them or if they steal it. So when, and it doesn't matter if you're a Satoshi and you come back and you have a million Bitcoins and you think you're going to start controlling things. What ends up happening is Satoshi's only going to live so long. He can only buy off so many people. Yep. Those people, once they get that money, they have to decide, hmm, I now have the money. Do I really promote what he wants me to promote or I just take the money and say, screw it, right? So everybody's going to now start looking at now that I got the money, how much do I really want to play ball? Eventually, the people that could influence the narrative, that could pay for the narrative, that could pay for people to enforce unjust laws, eventually their money runs out or they die and somebody else gets their money and they don't want to spend it that way. And so over several generations, as the Bitcoin gets dispersed through all people, through all societies, all incentives for government, for extortion, for unnecessary violence goes away. The world is a utopia in 100 years with Bitcoin. It is going to be the most beautiful place in the solar system because humanity is going to realign itself around truth and justice because there'll be one money for everybody to use and trade and honesty will come back in all in everything that people do honest trade I, I i didn't say that the right way but honest trade and honest interactions with other human beings because you can't get value from somebody else if they won't give it to you because if you can't steal it because it's in a multi-sig right because we we're like leaps and bounds ahead of the ahead of the people that would try to shred we've yeah. got the i say we because i'm in this community but i'm not doing this really smart people are figuring out how to make sure that people can't steal your bitcoin with the five dollar wrench attack right this is already being created we are so it's it's so awesome we've been ahead of everybody the whole way just a few steps ahead and they just can't catch up and all the stuff that's going to get built out that might get attacked in a few years it's already going to be solved Right. So this is what I love about this system. This is what I love about the self-fulfilling or the self-reinforcing um, feedback loop that is all the incentives and all the people that have incentive to keep working on it. The people that are smart enough to build this stuff from a first principles perspective, from an honesty perspective, from a I want this system not to break perspective because I have skin in the game. So it's just such an amazing as I said, self-reinforcing positive feedback loop of incentives at every level, every participant ends up getting in alignment with every other participant. It's why we like each other so much. We're all on the, really for the first time, really all on the same team. We are all on the same fundamental baseline, bottom line settlement layer team. We right? are. We can we disagree are. on what <laughs> ball club we like. We can disagree on what diet, right? But when we all settle on one money, we can at least agree to get along and trade with each other and not kill each other. I'm and we, you, the and world we are going to be a freaking magical place in a hundred years. I wish I was going to be here. To and see it. we are living through it. We are experiencing no, not it. Not just that, my yeah. friend. We mm. are making it happen. We yeah. are. Yeah. The yeah. first wave of human beings that are are changing all of humanity for for all of human history. This will be <laughs> the biggest a thousand years from now. If this world is still here, the people living on it will look back and go, 
2000, uh, uh, 2008, 2009 was the start of the most important revolution in all of human history. And the people who were there in the early 2020s, the early 2010s, early 2030s, those people that took the mockery, that, that had the strong hands, that lived through the 80% dips while this thing was being adopted by the stupid people that didn't know any better, that had to be shown better, right? Those people, us, me and you, will be the heroes that we may not be known individually by our names, but collectively we will have been that society that turned humanity around. We are the society that is going to turn humanity around. Jim, stay this there. This is freaking big, dude. I am so monumentally excited about where my life is right now. You have no idea. Right, like, stay I there. You do, but like, I don't know how else to say it. This is so freaking incredible. Right, I, I I didn't think I could be inspired any more than I already am, but friggin' hell, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Right, stay there a minute, Sorry. because yeah. I, I like to pull my shows together with a quote, and what you've just said is so relevant to my quote, and then we'll come back and wrap it up. Have a look at this, people. Do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. That is us, man. I love that. I- you know, what, Ralph Waldo Emerson is one of those, you know, classic writers. He's got a lot of yeah. good quotes like that. And I, I don't even know much of his work, but I love seeing the. Those are those universal truths that always apply no matter what generation you're in, no matter what stage in human history you're in. That is an absolute truth. That is it's better to do that because the where that leads, uh, it leads to, you know, unknown um riches and experiences you have to take the path least traveled you know at least sometimes maybe not every time you know you'll listen to the same song over and over again because you love it so that's not going down a new path but there are very important times where you definitely need to take the path less traveled that is what we're doing and and what's good is it's going to be the path most traveled and it will be known that it was us that helped it make it happen you know so that's cool you know i remember um one of the most influential books in my life was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Stephen Covey. Covey. Read it. Read highly it. recommend everybody read it. Okay. Read it. So yeah. I got the audio tapes. I was into learning mode before CDs were invented, right? Before people had... So I would listen to audio tapes driving around in my car. I've been in this learning mode for decades. And I got the audio book. So I have listened to the audio book of The Seven Habits at least 50 times. At least 50 because I just kept for years, I would put the whole thing. It was a four tape set. I would listen to the whole thing through. So I have this stuff really deep in my, in my conscience of, of it. And um, I just think that, you know, the, the first principles that he talks about in there are key to what allow you to see this whole thing. Uh, He talks about trust and trustworthiness. He talks about building habits, what it takes, but the seven, the, the seven habits, the first, um, the first three habits are personal habits that help you get your own life in alignment. The second three are what he calls public habits, which allow you to interact with other people. And and they're very basic principles that when you learn them, they make absolute sense. It's like um, praxeology, the study of human action. It's an a priori truth. It is obvious in and of itself. And so the seven habits are that kind of thing. Mm. And um, I, there, was, there was something you said earlier, and it triggered my thought of that book. Even if I don't remember what the point was, that's a great book. I highly encourage everybody to, to read it. There was something, though, that he made a, a point in there, whether it was about habits or or trade-offs. I, I wish I could remember what it was. You said something that made me think of it. But 
maybe one day when I re-listen to this, it'll trigger me and I can send a tweet out. But um, anybody should read that. That was one of these books that it taught me about uh, principles, first principles of life that yeah. you need to align yourself Brilliant. with if you want things to work out. Brilliant. And it's, book. it's really helped me see uh, see the, the right path in life. Maybe it had something to do with the path less traveled or something. I forget. But uh, uh yeah, it's it's good stuff for anybody that, that that's unfamiliar with it. I highly recommend you review the material. It's it's right. universal material applicable to all humans, the way I see it. So let let me pull this together. We've been going two hours, so I I'm going to pull this together. Oh, I just wow. I just Sorry. wanted to um, go over to my chat because Wilco Delamar said, Jim, do you have a YouTube channel? You know, designated channel of your own. I do not. Okay, Wilco. No, if but I do the podcast thing, we'll create one. I was going to say, stay tuned, uh, Wilco. Jim's uh, everywhere. Everywhere I go, Surfer Jim is on a show somewhere. It's as simple as that. Um, Jim, it's starting to be that now, but that's I, good. I don't mind. So. I, I've got to say, this has been a blast. If I wasn't excited, you can't not have listened to what you've been saying for nearly two hours and not be just on the ceiling. And I love Bitcoin. <laughs> I love talking about Bitcoin. And I have to say, I I haven't done thousands of interviews, but like I've said, Gabriel Devine and Ansel and, and all those CK's been on. I've had uh, Didi from the Bitcoin family on. I've done quite a few of them, but this one has been totally and utterly inspiring to me oh wow so <laughs> that's awesome I, i'm gonna say jim thank you that was monumental but for oh, now wow. <laughs> where where can right. people find you your twitter link is in my show that's notes it. to be added yeah, that's pretty much where so, i'm at i'm on telegram in a few few of the channels i just um was given an invite for the clubhouse app but it's not working on my phone so i don't know if i'm ever going to get on clubhouse i, I can't i can't go down that rabbit hole i've got a family i've got oh, a missus you know i know i'm worried i'm worried it's going to just chew up my days oh. i hear what people they go on there for hours at a time but i want to help people and i know that a lot of people are learning on clubhouse and so i've been encouraged people want me to come on and join their rooms and i'm like all right well you know this is why i feel like god has me on this earth partly to now be an evangelist for bitcoin i i really feel compelled like i wouldn't be living my my true life's mission if i just kept this to myself i i remember saying to myself as a kid once if I had, if I stumbled across the formula for a tree that grew money, or there was a tree that grew money, and I was the only one that knew about it, and I didn't tell any of my friends and family, and I just started hoarding up this money, and I was able to buy everything I want. One day when they found out that I knew and I never told them, they would hate me. Yeah. And I would feel like such a jerk. Why wouldn't I tell the people I love the most? I've lived by that principle. I've lived by that so principle. I yeah. cannot not talk about this. I will feel like either a hypocrite or or or, or uh, keeping such an important secret for my friends and family and the people I care about. And now it's to the point where I want strangers to know because I just think it helps everybody. And when it helps everybody, it helps me and it helps the people I care about. So it's a self-fulfilling positive feedback loop that if I help if I help Bitcoin, it not only helps me, but it does really help other people. This is not a Ponzi scheme where I get you in and I get to cash out. It doesn't work that way. And the longer you study it, the more it's very obvious that I gain nothing by you joining because the Bitcoin network's not going to die if you don't join, right? It's going to keep going. There will other people that will join never having heard my voice ever. Right. Because there's enough people out there just like me. And so this is already too late. All I can do is help it along. I can never kill it. 
doesn't matter what I say. I can't stop this train from going down the tracks. It's already too late. So all I can do is help it. So why not? Why should I not help it? Right. This is a great, in my opinion, this is a noble cause. This is well worth devoting your life to. Find a way to work in this ecosystem, even if it's just a talk, like I'm all I'm able to do at this point. And if that's all I'm ever able to do, then that's all I'm able, able to do. But you know what? It's something. It's not nothing. And at least I can live with myself and, and die knowing that I tried my best, right? Because what else can we do in this life other than hope we try our best, raise a good family, be honest, make friends, enjoy life. I mean, you know, I don't want to be the guy that starts a war. I don't want to be the guy that pulls the trigger and drops a bomb. I'm not into any of that stuff. There are people that think that's noble and the right thing to do. That's not me, you know? And so, yeah, I just want to promote the happy side of life. And I think Bitcoin is a super important factor to bringing that to everybody on this planet. And that's just, this is my life's mission now. That's right. Well, simple as that. I'm going to- oh, Wait, wait, I'm... wait. I got to show one more thing. If you yep. don't mind, I like yep. to show my friends that are building the Long Island Surf Park. Yes. I've been a consultant yes. for six years. Yes. All right. So good friend of mine from high school, Chris, and his son, Brett, are the the uh, the movers behind this project for six years now. We now have property. We have site plan approval. We are going to build a wave pool on Long Island. Going to be able to get seven foot waves the length of a football field at least <laughs> very controllable we could control the speed the height the shape rights lefts tubes little one foot learner waves we're doing it we have so much of the infrastructure and the and the ground groundwork laid i mean we got the plans for the size of the pool the the clubhouse it's all been done oh it's all been done we're waiting on permits so we are also accepting investors series a round of investors so if you got a couple of million you want to throw at our project, we'll take it. Um, we don't have all of our funding in place yet. So for anybody that hears this that's interested in wave pools are never going away. I tell you right now, people love surfing. You don't have to live near the ocean to get hooked on it. And wave pools are being built all over the world in various different configurations. We have our own unique design. We have literally invented things for our pool that no other pool will have. And we hope it'll make it unique and a little bit better and in some ways much better than some of the ones that are out there. And I know my friend's son, who's in his early 20s, once we build the first one, he plans to probably spend the rest of his life building wave pools wherever people want them built. I may help with some of that along the way since I've been so involved for six years now. I actually built the test tank that we use to test our design. We have a, a scaled down model of a test tank and we make perfect little tubes in our little test tank and it's pretty fun. And I feel like, um, like a type of a Thomas Edison dude, like working in a, <laughs> working in a garage, inventing things, um, not getting permission from government, not getting a permit from anybody and with no blueprint to follow. We literally are inventing and designing stuff that has not been ever built before. And then we go and build it. So it's really, really, really exciting and cool. And from a guy in my position, I love the the brainstorming of how can we make this thing happen and so we got this brilliant pool designer that's in san diego who's also a surfer who totally gets all this stuff he's a fluid dynamics expert so we get him on the phone and we're doing zoom chats or whatever facetime as we're running waves in the test tank and he's looking from california and we're filming we're taking measurements and, and then we get oh okay what do you think uh, was that was that big enough was it fast enough what should we do here should we tweak this tweak that? It's just been such a cool experience. This has been like the last five, six years of my life, aside from the rest of my life. So I got to show the Long Island Surf Park. Go to www.longislandsurfpark.com. You can see awesome website, what it's going to look like. We hope everybody comes and visits. We're going to teach millions of people to surf over the next several decades. It's going to be awesome. 
So that's it. www.longislandsurfpark.com. Gotcha. Yep. There, people, if you didn't get that. Jim, it's uh, been a blast, mate. I've really yeah, enjoyed I love it. it. Dude, thank you so much for having me on. I was looking forward to it. I just love this. I'm really happy the way our conversation unfolded, the things we talked about, the fact that you let me spew for minutes at a time. Uh, my friends call it Surfer Jim Rants. Love it. Love rant. it. Love and it. And I'm happy to do it. I am so happy to do this. I really, really appreciate this. Can't wait to retweet this episode. Can't Please. wait to hear the feedback. I hope I'm inspiring somebody out there because that's all I want to do. I want to inspire people. I want people's lives to be better. I want my life to be better. I want people to be happy. I want people to get along. I want no more war. I want no more central banks. I want no more government oppression. I want no more taxes. I want happy people everywhere. That's what I want. I want a happy freaking world. And I'm going to do everything I can to see if that can happen. And we're going to want. We're going to finish. Want. I want to go surfing and be fucking happy. Oh, oh, I made it all the way to the end of the show. I'm going to be happy and go surfing and be stoked. I've got to read. I've got to read. Can you bleep that out? Can you bleep that one word out, please? No, it's absolutely so fine. Can watch it, the show. it is fine. Uh, I've got something here to read. Then we're going to end the show. And I like this. It's JC again from down in South Africa. He says, Jim, where the light shines, the seekers will gather. They will come to you. I love that. Oh, That's wow. really okay. nice. Jim, I'm going to keep trying to shine the light, brother. It has That's been a blast. Thanks for coming Thank on. I'm, I'm hoping we can do this again six months, a year. Let's see where we go. Anytime. Been absolutely Anytime. superb. People, I'm going to leave you with my social media links. Do tweet this out. Do sh share it out on Twitter. Let's get more people to see this because what I wanted, I have, I've achieved. And that is for me to ask a question and then Jim just to go into one. And he's done that <laughs> for two hours and it's been absolutely superb. Jim, you're a star yeah. it's great to have oh, made a thanks. new friend i'll catch you all on monday people thanks for watching jim thanks a million i'm going to end it there Excellent. cheers thank you